Blog Talk Radio. Granny Hawkster and Big Swing. Oh yeah, once again it is a Monday. Summer is rapidly approaching us here. It is already May, if you can believe it. Uh, this winter, actually, sometimes winter feels like it, it, it just drags on. Uh, unless you live in North Dakota, then pretty much all you know is winter, but uh, it, you know, it drags on, but this year, real fast. I mean, I feel like it was New Year's, you know, yesterday, uh, and now all of a sudden, summertime is coming along, and uh, things are starting to open back up here uh, here in New York. Uh, end of the month, we're going to have, you know, uh, you know, higher capacity. Mass mandate is lifting. We're going to be able to have the bars open until 2 and 4 a.m. again, like before. So, uh, you know, excited. Excited to get life back to normal here. Uh, but one thing that was not affected by COVID, in fact, may have been strengthened by the COVID-19 protocols, was our show. Uh, again, we'll, uh, come come rain, sleet, hail, snow, mass disaster, you name it, this show will be on the air every Monday night for you guys. And, uh, you know, I, I know you guys have been loving it. I've been looking at the numbers. You guys can't get enough of the Attitude Hour Live. And, you know, we love all of our fans uh, equally as much. And, uh, yeah, I mean, that, that's pretty much the gist of it. And there ain't nothing you can do about it. No, uh, yeah, that too, that too. So, so how are the invaders? Uh, how are the invaders uh, doing, Icon? Well, you know, uh, I don't know if you guys, uh, I don't know if you guys get any feedback at all during our show, but uh, usually whenever there's something good, uh, you know, uh, people tell me. But whenever there's something, uh, you know, not so good, uh, they like to. They're afraid tell to tell you, right? Too. Yeah. No, yeah. no, they like to no, they like to tell me that more so often when they like something. But um, ah, okay. You know, like uh, 
and you know, we talked about this when I even when I even going to go into great detail about this before our uh, guest comes on. But you know, a lot okay. of people get on me, and you know, they think I disrespect Granny by having adult stars on and all this. Sh- but hey, we we've we've went through that. We've cleared that. I mean, are you still getting? Are, are you still getting that argument from people? Yeah. I mean, well, I'll tell you. You know. Uh, the, the fact of the matter is this, and you know, maybe, maybe being even though I'm technically the quote-unquote heel character, um, maybe uh, you know, if if I if I say it, then people will actually listen. Uh, and Granny, correct me if I'm wrong here. If I'm off base here, feel free to step in. Um, but but if if Granny were to come to us, uh, be it on the air or off the air. And say, hey guys, but you know, you've been talking to these kind of uh, these kind of clientele. You've had these kind of guests on. I'm not super comfortable with it. I, 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 you know, I, I don't agree with it. Not, you know, I, I, I it, it's disgusting to me, or it's this or that. It goes against my values, whatever it may be. Okay, we would we we would take that into consideration, and we would say, okay, look, you know, we we, we got to take a little bit of a break from this, or or we can't have that kind of clientele on, or we we would accommodate because Granny is such an important part of the show to us uh, that that we we would we would accommodate maybe just have them on our live blog or on our Facebook page or or whatever. But the fact is 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 she doesn't, as far as I've been told, isn't really offended by the stuff. She just doesn't have a lot of questions because she doesn't you know live that life. She doesn't you know uh, partake in a lot of those kind of events and, and watch those kind of videos. So there's not really much that she could ask uh, to one of these these adult stars or, or you know whatever it may be. So you know, like I said, if she was super offended by it, uh, I'm pretty sure she would tell us. Um, she just kind of sits in the back and waits and listens and and does her thing. So uh, I mean, Granny, am I off base here? Like, 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 are you actually? Like offended or put off by some of the guests that I can I can get. No, no. Okay, and yeah. I, 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 I've said it before, and I'll say it again. Fans, listen. I mean, this is 2021. I oh, mean, yeah. you know, I have seen a lot. I have heard <laughs> a lot. I have been through a lot in my lifetime. If it's good for the show and it helps the show out and, you know, there are people out there that like this. Okay, we're trying mm-hmm. to accommodate. We are one of the biggest podcasts that I know of that I've been a part of for how long now, guys? I mean, how long have I been helping you guys? Three uh, years? Three, okay. three or so years, yeah. <clears throat> okay, okay. Fans, it's it's like this. When you're in a business or you have a business or whatever, you have a job, you're in a business, you're over a business or whatever, you have to do what you have to do to make that business work. Well, radio's the same kind of thing. You got to do what you have to do to make it work. True, you're not going to make everybody happy. That's just life. Oh, I've proven that. But, yeah. well, yeah. you know, but but that that that's just life. But people, you got to understand, 
if I had a problem with something, I'm not afraid to go to Big Swing or Icon or the two of them and say, hey, guys, I think we need to take a break from this for a little bit. I'm not offended by it. And and Big Swing's right. I don't have a lot of questions because I don't watch stuff like that. I mean, it, it's not that it's against my religion. I just don't watch it. I, I, I just don't get into it like some people do. But that's okay. Right. And, I'm, uh, not, I'm, not, I'm not I'm not offended by it. You know, to, to you listeners out there, no, go ahead. Right, and let's be clear. It's not against your religion, but um, – um, uh, <coughs> Oh, blanking out. I was going to make a point. I, I'm, I, I'm, I'm speechless. Uh, oh, well, that was the first time but, I ever um, Well, I'll tell you what. It's not against your religion, but Sylvester J. Fox is. <laughs> well, that's true, but but that being said, but I mean, you know, to you to you people out there that are complaining, that are messaging Icon, you know, saying, well, you're not being fair to Granny, you're being offensive to Granny. Okay, people, it it's life. I mean, like I said, you well, look at do... it this way: the, the most successful radio personality, arguably on the planet. Is is Howard Stern, and I don't know if if our listeners are Howard Stern fans or listen to Howard Stern or, or um, you know know anything about that show. I mean, I listen every morning uh, before I go I on the air to my to my show, and uh, some of the stuff. Yes, is he tamer now than he used to be? Sure, but if you listen to some of the stuff that goes on that show and some of the interviews they've done over the years, uh, you know, people that kind of stuff sometimes gets listeners and gets viewers and gets whatever and you know like i said we would either we would do one of two things we would either say granny we've got this person coming on we can't reschedule it it's a big name do you want to take break this week or whatever or we would just say look we can't book these kind of people anymore because she doesn't like them but the fact is she's willing to sit and listen and you know do whatever like if, if she's got smell going on while she's on the air that she wants to get done during this interview she'll go do it she might not have any questions yada 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 but because she chooses to abstain from asking questions does not mean that she just is like offended by it granny's just like no no i don't have questions i'm cool you know she's not like oh no you know she doesn't say it that way you know what i mean so it's just it's it's one of those things where you know uh icon gets all these messages and everyone tries to paint him out to be the bad guy enough as it is he doesn't need to be painted out uh, to be the bad guy uh or over something like this anyway because honestly if it wasn't for icon this would be a show where we'd be sitting here just bitching about wrestling all night. We wouldn't have any guests. He's the one who goes out there and books, you know, 98% of them. So, you know, actually probably more than that, 99.9% of them, actually. I don't think I've ever booked a guest. So, you know, the, well, you know so that's, the sad thing is, the, hmm? the sad thing is uh, people uh, think that, uh, you know, they get on my case because uh, I have, you know, they know I booked a guest. You know, they get on my case yeah. to, for that, but you know what? They love when I go on a rant. Well, we, we, we do have we, we do have anything. far too little. We do have far too little in the icon rant department. We really do. We we really are, are probably we're, we're gonna need we're gonna need things to piss you off more for for entertainment value because we we do enjoy that. 
uh, when, when you when you uh, ran the Bucks. We really do. Right. We really do. It, it, it so, makes but, it makes it makes us giggle. You know what I'm saying? Well, yeah. I mean, uh, I'll tell you what they said. Uh, yeah, one guy uh, sent me a message and said, "Hey, way to way to let them have it last week." It's like, oh, well, I appreciate that. Thank you so much. Uh, yeah. And uh, uh, I will say this: it won't ever be the last rant I go on, and mm-hmm. uh, it's certainly not going to be the craziest. You know. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I know that, you know, you you do get worked up um, relatively easily, uh, but, you know, like I said, you, you're not irrational about it. You know, you, you, you come out and you say what you have to say, and, and you're done with it. Um, and, but, but one thing Icon doesn't do is he doesn't, he doesn't drag things. He'll come on, he'll complain, he'll say this, he'll say that, he'll, he'll, he'll throw out a couple of insults or whatever. Uh, and, and then we'll get on with the show. You know, he, he's not sitting there for a 15 minute long winded tirade about something. He, he comes in, he says his point and, and that's it. So, so that's another reason, reason why we like your rants. Yes. They're entertaining. Uh, yes. It kind of gives us uh, a view into the other side of your life um, that we don't necessarily get to see in here. Uh, but, but, but it's also short and concise, you know, it's short and concise. We're not, we're not sitting, I'm not sitting here with my finger, uh, Rubbing the mute button, like when's this guy gonna shut up? Oh, it's it's it, it keeps it up in place, and, and that's what we like. Right. Good, good, good. Very, very, very good. So, speaking of that, why don't you go ahead and tell us uh, exactly who it is we are all uh, we got coming on tonight? Because I know that you know we, we we keep our guests in suspense all week. So why don't we uh, why don't we let them know? Or not our guests? Excuse me, our 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 uh, listeners rather in suspense all week. So. All right. All right. Well, our first guest is going to be uh, Joseph Mandock III. He's actually a uh, uh, official uh, referee in Ring of Honor. Uh, he's going to be on with us. Um, just one second. I'm answering his message right now. Um, and uh, we're going to have uh, Iron Mike. Uh, Granny, you're definitely gonna love this guy because uh, I uh, he is uh, he may have some heelish ten- uh, tendencies, and uh, we're gonna have uh, former <laughs> Playboy Playmate of the Month, Deborah Driggs, on with us. She actually appeared on the cover of Playboy with Donald Trump. So uh, we're gonna talk to her about that. It's gonna be great. It's a seven two four number. Is that who we're looking for? Uh, let me just make sure. Remember, we did have some issues with some, uh, particular hygienic guests last week, so. Well, you know, I can, I, I, next week I'll go on a rant about that, but, uh. Some bathroom, uh, some bathroom folk. If you want to bring bring him on, we'll, uh. Yeah, uh, I'll, uh, I'll pop him, pop him through here. All right, Icon, uh, you want to. Introduce and do your thing. Ladies and gentlemen, stepping out of the green room and walking down the aisle. About to step to the ropes right now. The referee for our next match. He's also our first guest of the night. He is Joseph Mendek, the third. 
Hey, this is Ring of Honor referee Joe Mandak. You're listening to Attitude Era Live with the host, the icon, the big swing, and Granny Hulkster. Hey, how are you, buddy? I'm doing well. Thank you guys so much for having me on. I appreciate it. It's perfect. Uh, here's what we're going to do uh, real quick, uh, Joe. Uh, if you uh, if you want to give us a little quick little background about yourself, and then uh, I'll ask you some questions, and we'll go around the room, and then we'll come back to me, and I'll ask you the tough questions. That sounds good to me. No problem. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, a little bit of background. Uh, born and raised just outside of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, and uh, – Grew up a wrestling fan, you know, at the rightful age of, you know, five, six years old, would go to the house shows at the Civic Arena, um, was later on introduced to the independent scene, uh, International Wrestling Cartel, IWC, out of Pittsburgh when I was maybe about 11 or 12 years old. Uh, got to see a lot of uh, familiar faces uh, who grew up through the independence and went on to do great things. I'm talking about DM Punk, Christopher Daniels. Cole Cabana, guys like that, you know, coming up through the indies. It was a pretty cool time to be a fan, but I didn't exactly appreciate it or get to appreciate it much at that time. To me, it was just wrestling that I was able to watch. But uh, uh grew up and wanted to be a professional wrestler, so I went to school and trained. And uh, I trained under a gentleman by the name of Shirley Doe, who has trained uh, guys of the likes of Joaquin Wild in WWE NXT, as well as Elias in WWE, so he has a pretty good track record with getting guys uh, going to where they want to. And after training with him, went to the back and forth between training and, and playing basketball in college, so it kind of took up a little bit more of my time than I wanted it to. Um, come right around 2010, 2011, I got back into training with a couple other gentlemen, uh, Crusher Hanson and Scotty Gash out of PWX in Pittsburgh and was getting ready to debut and had a death in the family that really took its toll on me. So I kind of walked away from wrestling, uh, in and of itself for a good while. Um, but come, you know, 2013, I had the itch that I wanted to go ahead and be a wrestler, got back into training, but my body just wasn't having it. Um, I was only 5'10", a buck 35, and, you know, didn't really have an ounce of muscle on me. So I decided, what well, what can I do to still be a part of the business? Um, and a lot of people who I had trained with who were wrestlers said, hey, we're always looking for more refs. Why don't you try it out? So I uh, fell under the uh, learning tree of a gentleman named Sean Patrick and uh, Bobby Williams, both out of the Pittsburgh area, learned an absolute ton from them. And I guess the rest is kind of, as they say, is history. So I started refing in November of 2013, and here we are, 2021. I'm still doing what I love and have gotten a lot of opportunities uh, just from working my tail off and starting from the bottom and, and, and working up, uh, you know, working up the ranks. That's awesome. Uh uh, Joe Mandak is our guest here. We have uh, 26 minutes. So uh, basically, you know, um, you know, you mentioned uh, that uh, you know you were uh, pretty small, uh, but I'll tell you what, though, uh, your profile picture doesn't really show that. I mean, <laughs> you, got, you got you got some pretty big arms there, unless uh, you know how to Photoshop. And if you do, you'll have to. Uh, we have to see what you can do about making me look bigger if that's the case. But anyway, uh, you know, you mentioned that, uh, you know, it's, uh, you know, you're with, uh, you're with Ring of Honor, which is really, really cool. Uh, how long have you been with Ring of Honor? 
Uh, I've been with Ring of Honor now since uh, I believe my first show was back in late 2016, early 2017. I, I attended a tryout camp uh, about two and a half years into refing and uh, basically got the nod from, from Todd and a couple other people saying, hey, if we needed to put you on TV tomorrow, we'd feel comfortable with you having a match. And so uh, I was able to, to do a couple loops with them uh, part-time uh, throughout the years, and then it wasn't until – uh, kind of late last year, early this year, that they were like, yeah, we're going to use you uh, uh, full-time. And I've just been extremely humbled to to kind of been able to uh, work under Todd and, and been given that opportunity. I, it's something I don't uh, take for granted, that's for sure. And uh, if you guys have a chance to uh, check out his uh, profile, we'll, uh, we'll have you talk. We'll talk about that more towards the end. But uh, what I like about his uh, – his, um, notoriety on his Facebook page is uh, Ring of Honor Referee, get this, Ring of Honor Referee, Golf Coach, and Straight Edge Triple X. That's, that's kind of <laughs> interesting. Uh, so not only is he a referee, he can be an adult star too, right? No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah. Um, yeah, I, I was – didn't even really know what straight edge was um honestly until i like i said i, I watched cm punk you know wrestle when he just got started out and he had uh drug free tattooed on his knuckles so when i was little i would take you know pen permanent marker and write that on my knuckles just because i was emulating what i was seeing but didn't exactly you know fully embody that um never really got into drinking drugs um you know a- anything like that so um yeah just kind of a lifestyle i've been able to uh to adapt and choose to live and it's um it's definitely having its health benefits uh, that's for sure so being being a referee you know it you know we all know that uh everybody in the ring is part of the story everybody helps advance the story everybody tells part of the story and the referee is a major part of that so when Correct. you're refereeing, uh, you know, I always ask uh, different wrestlers this uh, question. It doesn't really apply to referees, but uh, I'll kind of throw it out there, and then you can uh, answer it as you see fit. As your wrestling sure. style, are you more like a heel referee like a Nick Patrick? Are you more like a screw job guy like uh, Earl Hebner? Or are you just like that uh, handsome pretty boy like Charles Robinson? Um, so I I guess like, like you had said, whatever's going to help, uh, enhance the story. Uh, I try to emulate those of Tim White and Jim Corderas. Uh, those are kind of the two referees that I like to, uh, kind of pick and choose, uh, both very different individuals. Tim White was a smaller guy, but very vocal. So I feel when it's time to reprehend a wrestler for either cheating or a manager for getting up on the apron, it's that time to be loud, visual, make sure that they understand that what they're doing is illegal. Um, but Jim Corderas used uh, great facial expressions, wasn't very vocal in the ring, at least from the matches that I recall watching him. So anytime that there is uh, a forearm or a kick to the face or anything that has to do with the head um, coming from someone who has suffered unfortunate head injuries in the past, uh, you know, uh, the wincing of the face and, and the kind of um, squeamish look I may portray on my face. Again, I think something like that helps portray uh, the story a lot better than, uh, than a referee who, you know, like you said, Nick Patrick, who, you know, in my mind was, will always be a heel ref, but he's somebody's name that always comes up as someone who's a fantastic uh, referee, whether he's a heel or not, just his name always pops up in different seminars and everything I've attended. He's, he's definitely a top five referee of all time. 
And, uh, you know, the other thing is, you know, uh, not only are you and I good friends, I know you, you told me not to tell anybody, I understand that, but uh, I'm also <laughs> great friends with Charles Robinson, too. You know, uh, every time I had an event that he's at, I would say, hey, little Nate, little Nate. <laughs> he's like, oh, God, icons here. Gee, that, he actually said that. It's kind of cool. Uh, we have uh, Joe Mandak cool. as our guest here. we got 22 minutes. Uh, Granny, he's not really uh, heel, but, uh, you know, you've had your fair share of run-ins with referees. What do you guys for our guest? Joe Mandak, we got 21 minutes. Go ahead. Well, uh, welcome to the show. And I am not a wrestler, even though I have such a gimmick name per se, but I am just a huge fan of the sport. And Granny does not like the heels, and I can talk some pretty good smack to him when I have to. <laughs> especially if your name is Sylvester I mean, J. Fox. I'm, oh, yes, especially Sylvester J. Fox. But, um, no, I will be 59 in August, and I actually have had my wrestling friends, who I consider a big part of my family, even though I'm not related to any of them, they always thank me for when I come to their shows because I kind of help get the crowd going, and I'm not afraid to get up and stand up and get in somebody's face. I had a wrestler about four years ago, it's been almost five years ago now. He says, Granny, don't you have a curfew at the nursing home? And I grabbed <laughs> my keys out of my purse and I threw my fist up in his face. I said, baby, I don't need no curfew. I got keys to the building. And he ran off screaming. They <laughs> tell me to sit down and shut up before I break a hip, just for example. But, you know, I'm not, af- I'm not afraid. I mean, I've been handcuffed to managers because the managers like to interfere. There are some managers that like to interfere in these matches. And one time they actually told me before the show, they said, Granny, we're going to handcuff you to Pierce. And I'm like, okay, whatever. And they did. They literally did. During the show, they came and put a pair of handcuffs on me and this manager. <laughs> <laughs> but I guess one of my questions to you is, is it like – to be a part of Ring of Honor. I mean, I love to watch Ring of Honor when I get the opportunity to do so. Sure, it's it like I mean, no no pun intended, but it it sincerely is an honor when when I think about uh the alumni not only of of, of referees but uh <laughs> wrestlers who have gone through that promotion. Um it, it's just remarkable. Uh they've done nothing but uh, treat myself with the utmost respect, uh, safety protocols, especially during this time with COVID and everything. Um, as I'm speaking right now, I'm actually currently in the ROH bubble, uh, so I'm self-isolated. Uh, did that all day yesterday, all day today, and uh, fingers crossed if there were no, um, uh, no positive cases, uh, we'll, we'll be able to uh, commence uh, shooting uh, tomorrow for some more ROH uh, television here for the next uh, uh, next future, uh, future months and everything. So, uh, they've gone over and above. Yeah. They've gone over and above protecting, uh, like I said, not only myself, but the entire talent, the production team, um, they do a phenomenal job. And like I said, it's just, uh, I'm very humbled to be, uh, in the position that I am in. What has been one of your most favorite matches that you've got to be a part of and, who was who was who were the uh, who were the wrestlers that you were refereeing for? 
Sure. That, that's actually a really good question. Um, to date, my favorite match has, has got to be um, Josh Woods versus it was Jonathan Gresham. Uh, it was early 2020. It was in Atlanta, Georgia, and they wrestled probably for about 15, 20 minutes. Uh, the first five to seven minutes of the match was all mat-based wrestling, and uh, the crowd absolutely loved it. Um, then you could tell that they were kind of getting restless, but Gresham being the absolute professional that he is and uh, Josh Woods, who is basically coming to his own with the pure rules now being implemented, um, they, they just had the crowd in the palm of their hand and they were on their feet by the end of the match. And even though they were a little restless at the beginning with the mat wrestling, um, neither one of the wrestlers uh let that dictate the the pace. Uh, I mean, they, they they took complete control of that match, and it was an absolute. Um, uh, it was it was awesome being a part of that match, and that's one that I'll, I'll probably hold on to for a while. Um, but then, he, he, most recently, uh, Jonathan Gresham versus Jay Lethal uh, for the 500th episode was a pure match. Uh, that's got to be right up there as well as as uh, one of my favorite matches that I've got to officiate. That's awesome. Uh, I remember getting to meet. I remember getting to meet Jay Lethal a, a few years ago at an independent wrestling organization that ran in Arkansas. I think it was about 2011 or 12, maybe. maybe well, Because TCW quit running in 2013. So it would have probably been around 2011, 2012. But... Um, Jay Lethal was pretty awesome. I I really enjoyed getting to meet him. Uh, Joseph Mandak is our guest here. We got uh, 16 minutes left with uh, Joseph. Uh, <clears throat> before we uh, continue, we're going to do a little, uh, going to take a little time out here. Uh, uh, as everybody knows, we have a little contest going uh, starting at the end of this week's show to the beginning of next week's show. If you go to our Facebook page, Off the Ropes, and you like it, uh, you're automatically qualified for our big December show giveaway to uh, win uh, autographs from uh, this week's uh, guests. Uh, so uh, everybody uh, go get your likes in, and uh, you'll be automatically qualified. Uh, Joseph Mandex is our guest here. Uh, let's bring in Big Swing if he's there. Uh, what do you have for our guest? He's a referee. Go ahead. Well, I, I'm uh, I'm aware he's a referee icon. I've I've been listening for the last half hour, but um, yes. Yeah, so, I, uh, as you know, I'm I'm sort of the heel character on this program. Uh, I'm also the only one with any real radio experience, right, icon? So, uh, my question is, being listening to what you were saying before about growing up wanting to be in wrestling, training to be a wrestler, things like that. A couple of things. One, do you find that being involved in your matches, that that training background helps you? Because all the guys that all the guys that Icon mentioned before, uh the Nick Patrick's, the you know, the uh, the Earl Hebner's especially, um, you know, the they're they're regular dad bod dudes. You know, they're not not guys who you know, have had any kind of formal training doing anything other than slapping the mat one, two, three. So do you think that your training kind of helps you to be uh, a little bit diverse in some of the matches, whereas you can take, you can take a few more bumps than, than, than the normal guy and you, you can have uh, a bit more of a back and forth with some wrestlers? 
Sure. Uh, and and un- understanding uh, ring positioning is absolutely huge. Understanding uh, where and when uh, to to uh, accentuate my authorities again to help build the story absolutely definitely helped. The fact that uh, I was able to you know to to sprawl around, chain wrestle in the ring because. Um, yeah, there, there's a lot more to uh, being a referee than you know just counting the three. I mean, you're you're the producer, oh, yes. you're the yes. security, you're 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 you wear so many hats, and that's just in the ring. Not to mention what's going on uh, backstage, uh, gorilla backstage in the locker room, everything mm-hmm. like that. So yeah, I definitely feel that that has helped me. And honestly, all of the seminars I went to as a referee, I wish I had invested whenever I was training as a wrestler because. I've learned more about wrestling, being a referee at a seminar than I was, uh, you know, as a wrestler um, training. So yeah, if if you're if you're somebody out there who's considering, uh, go to a reputable school, go to as many seminars mm-hmm. as you can, and just be an open book because it's it's only going to help you. Uh, it's it's not going to hinder you. That, that, we don't use, we don't talk to many referees on here. Um, we uh, we like having them, but we don't get them on very often. One thing I've always wondered, and maybe you, is this could be one of those, you know, if I tell you, I'll have to kill you type of secrets. But um, <laughs> when you're in the ring, uh, do you have a little earpiece or something in? Like when you're in that ring, are you in the moment, or is somebody in the back telling you, okay, you got to do this? Okay, now make sure you're over there, blah blah blah. Make sure you hit this spot. Like you have a, do you have an earpiece in or, or no? I, I do have an earpiece, and I would okay. say nine times out of nine times out of ten, um, it's uh, I, I, I'm on my own to be in certain be in certain positions. Um, very very okay. seldom is it, hey, go go here, go here, go here, kind of thing. Um, depending on if we're filming for television or a pay per view, um, <laughs> you know. You'll, you'll, you'll have the, the, the time cue or, oh, we're in replay or something like that. But for the most part, um, yeah, it's just, uh, you know, understanding where my positioning is, where the cameras are, the hard cam, the handheld, uh, the jib cam, understanding where all of those are so that uh, I'm not impeding a wrestler's facial expression. I'm not in the way of a submission that's going on. It's nice. uh, positioning is is very, very crucial, not just as a referee, but, you know, very crucial to understand as a as a wrestler as well. And I will give you this. I've watched Ring of Honor. Um, I've actually seen you. I didn't know it was you uh, until I heard the name, and then I looked you up on Google, and I was like, oh, I've seen that dude before. So I actually have seen you, so it, it actually uh, is a program I do enjoy. I have watched the Ring of Honors before, and I have liked your work as well as the company's work. Um, and I guess the last thing would be um, when I was a kid, of course, I, I grew up in the Attitude Era, uh, which in my opinion, in my opinion, is the best era of wrestling. In my opinion, I know some people have have other other ideas about that, but that was my favorite. And I remember being a kid, and I was, what was this, two thousand and one? So I was in like seventh grade, eighth grade, something like that. And uh, when Triple H and Earl Hebner uh, got into it, and um, you know they they they've been beating up on Earl Hebner for a couple of weeks and and pushing him around and doing things, and he ended up fast counting Triple H in his match against Chris Jericho and costed him the belt. And there was the whole storyline where you know he pulled Earl Hebner out of the back, went all the way back, went and got him, pulled him in the ring, 
you know, embarrassed him, told him this. He had the other referee said, look, girl, it was a fast count, yada, yada, yada. I mean, you guys know the story. Uh, they told him, you know, I will give you the belt back if you never lay your hands on me again. Triple H agreed. Then he fired him. Then he laid his hands on him. Uh, and it was like it was like a storyline. And then he ended up coming back and counting them three at Backlash when The Rock won. I was brought back by Linda, all that. I thought that that was one of the you – no, know, that was the Cliff Notes version, but I, I thought that that was one of the coolest things when I was a kid, that a referee had such impact in a major storyline between two of the biggest stars in the game at that time. Do you, do you like being, um, you know, a part of storylines, or are you more about the books where you're like, you know what, I'm going to come in, I'm going to do my job, I'm going to call the match, I'm going to do the match I can – and I'm going to, you know, come in, do my job, and then go have a beer? Or do you like being in long-lasting storylines? Have you been in very many of them? Uh, that's actually a really good question. The only quote-unquote storyline I was, I guess you could say I was ever in was um, at the promotion I started out, a uh, female wrestler had just debuted, and mm. um, her gimmick was she was the honey badger. So she didn't care about anybody who you were. She came out and just delivered stunners to everybody, and unfortunately, oh, nice. I was the referee in that match. So I took uh, I took uh, a recurring stunner, and that night I took it the following show, and this kind of played on. And we were going to build it up to where I eventually maybe hit her with a stunner, but you know uh, that kind of went by the the wayside. But I'm not a big fan. I understand why. Uh, uh, maybe some promotions will do it. You know, with uh, Mm-hmm. Well, they don't do it often, but I do are, like when they do. No, you know? you're yeah. right. You're you're right. Um, and and I think it's to be honest, I think it's kind of uh, I don't want to say long overdue, but I could definitely see something like that uh, occurring, mm-hmm. maybe maybe in the near future. Me personally, um, I like I think I as a referee, you get more credit if you're just right down the middle, For you true. know, no bias. You know, you you kind of don't get in there because my thing is like, okay, so. Hebner did a fast count. Next time you see him, and and there's you know not Triple H or not The Rock in that match, it's like, so is he going to be fair? You know, I I don't want the people thinking about oh, well, what's Ref Joe Manic? What they is did he was be they, fair? they, they gonna... well, they gave him a heel thing, a fast count Triple H, but Triple H was arguably the biggest heel in the world at that time, and and so he looked like the hero, and the crowd, I mean, the pop that Jericho got was insane. But then, you know, he ends up getting fired. Linda brings him back, yada, yada, yada. But Icon also mentioned somebody named Nick Patrick. Of course, you guys were WCW fans. You know Nick Patrick was in a fast count screw job sort of a thing with the NWO. And Hulk Hogan ended up being the NWO's personal referee that would, that would referee all the NWO matches and, and seek to get them over. And so that's why I thought maybe having a referee – so important to a match, uh, sort of either be a heel or a face. It's kind of an interesting concept instead of just being down, yeah. you know, down the middle by the books, um, like like ninety nine percent of them all. So that's why I was curious. But um, and, and yeah, I guess no, it, Icon, the yeah. last thing, Icon, I, I know you wanna, I know you wanna get going with this Icon, but the last thing, I'm just wondering because I deal with this on my radio show all the time um, in the mornings. It, it is 2021. It is a progressive era that we're in, and it is a very sensitive era that we're in, and uh, with cancel culture and all this stuff. And I've, I don't get to talk to refs very often. We talk to wrestlers 90% of the time on the show. So um, when you're refereeing a female wrestling match, do you have to be 
more careful with when you're when you know she's got a boot on the throat in the corner and you got to pull them off to break the five count or you got to separate them uh from whatever they're doing in order to not get you know not get disqualified or whatever you have to be more careful with where you touch have to be more mindful of hey you know female wrestlers i i gotta do a certain thing or do you just go in there and, and, and do like other girls cool with whatever you're doing in there like i gotta I'm, I'm always curious about that if, if you have to think a little bit more during a female match as to where your hands go I mean, I guess I guess uh, uh, subconsciously I'm I'm thinking about that. But if there's a brawl in the corner or something, and I'm asking them to space it out, I kind of do the same thing I do, whether it's female, male, female, or you know whatever gender they, you know the person identifies as. Um, I will get in there. Typically, I try to stay right around just the midsection if I need to back them up. But um, I try my absolute best to not um touch the wrestlers whether again whether it's male or female um yeah. when, when I'm in the ring unless unless something falls again uh if it's sure, the sure. third time that the boots on the throat I might have a hand on their shoulder or something letting them know like look, look you know you're kind of pushing your limits here uh but I try to use my voice more than than my hands sure, um sure. okay when it when it comes, um, but yeah, I mean no, that's that's uh, that's a fair question. Like you said, um, you know, you, you don't you want to make sure that everyone's safe um, and they feel safe with you working in there, and and that's part of my job is to make sure that not only are they following the rules, but um, that they're abiding by everything that I say, and and making sure that I'm a following to certain protocols when it comes to dealing with uh, difficult situations, um, whether it's female and or male. Nice. All right. Well, I'm I'm sad, Icon. I got all my uh, long-winded questions out of the way. So, so what do you have for our guest? All right, uh, Joe Mandak is our guest here. We got uh, four minutes left here. Uh, real quick here, so you have time to do it. If our fans want to check out and see what you're doing, uh, do you got a Facebook, an Instagram, a YouTube, a Twitter, a Twitch, a GoFundMe? What do you got? Um, Yeah, so, I mean, first of all, if you want to check out anything ROH, uh, ROHwrestling.com, they do have a network uh, for uh, $9.99 a month that you're able to check out. And what's nice is it's not only do you get the, um, you know, the pay-per-views that will be coming up uh, in this year and following, uh, but, I mean, you get old content, you know, dating all the way back to, you know, know, 2002, 2003, 2004, I mean, so some some really uh, old old school matches that you can find there on the – on the network. Um, but yeah, on, on Facebook, uh, I'm just Joseph Mandak, uh, on, uh, tw- I believe Twitter and Instagram. It's, uh, ref Joe Mandak. Um, usually Instagram's for, uh, fitness and food and, and my dogs. So if you like dogs, if you like food, if you like fitness, uh, give me a follow on Instagram, uh, Twitter, um, usually just, uh, retweeting stuff that go on with the, uh, watch parties, uh, watch parties every, uh, every Monday night, uh, seven o'clock. Feel free to log on and watch the ROH wet, uh, episode. Hashtag watch uh, ROH, and you can tweet along with uh, a lot of the wrestlers and other fans um, as, as you see fit. Um, but yeah, uh, other than that, um, yeah, I don't don't really do YouTube. I don't have a Twitch. I'm not very much uh, into gaming. Used to, but I honestly just uh, between refing and coaching and, and working another job, I just don't unfortunately have the time to uh, game as much as I used to. So. Um, but yeah, that's, uh, that, that's, that's pretty much it. You know, me, me in a nutshell. <laughs> uh, Joseph Mandex, our guest here, we got, uh, we got two minutes here. 
so with all that being said, do you know when your next match is or when the next event is that you'll be a part of? So if, if, if everything goes well, like I said, we'll be, uh, we'll be taping uh, more episodes for Ring of Honor uh, tomorrow and uh, Wednesday. And then I'll end up flying back uh, Wednesday night, so then those will be airing. But, uh, yeah, the next, uh, I believe the next match uh, that I will be doing will be airing this weekend. I believe it's Josh Woods versus Silas Young. Really looking forward to that match. Um, so, yeah, you guys can check it out, uh, ROHwrestling.com. Uh, or you can uh, get the YouTube link for it uh, whenever we have our watch party. Uh, Ring of Honor tweets it out, and then you can feel free to watch alongside. So I'm looking forward to that. And um, I'm not able to give out any uh, any kind of spoilers or anything. I don't really believe in that, but just keep your eyes on what Ring of Honor has coming in the future. Uh, really looking forward to, to what's going to be going on this summer. And uh, we got about uh, 60 seconds before our, our next guest pops in here, but I'll tell you what, I do want to thank you for taking time out of your schedule, uh, Joe, to be on a show with you. And I will say of all the of all the guys that we've had on, uh, you have been the most humble. And I'm not just saying that. Uh, you know, we talked about the one thing uh, when I was mess- when we were messaging back and forth, and I do understand your thing on that. But uh, hopefully you know what I'm talking about, that you'll be able to send me something from my man cave. I appreciate what you do. And uh, hopefully we can get you back on again, and maybe you can hook us up with uh, some other guys from uh, and gals from ROH uh, in the future. That 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 sounds good. And yes, uh, tomorrow I I know exactly what you're alluding to. First of all, I appreciate the the, the kind words. Uh, I sincerely appreciate it. And uh, when I get that stuff taken care of, I will make sure that your man cave has a little bit of ROH uh, memorabilia in it for you. <laughs> yes, yeah, so we it, definitely we you. definitely love to talk to reputable uh companies i mean as as you may or may not be aware of uh you know wwe obviously we can't talk to those guys because they have an exclusive you know contract where they can only be on jericho's podcast or stone cold or whatever they're not allowed to talk to us aew same sort of thing we can get them in their debuting but once they get big we can't talk to them but like ring of honor and and uh companies like that that are still reputable that 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 people know I mean, I mean, if you say, you know, uh, Joe Schmo wrestling out of, you know, um, you know what, Tennessee, people might not be like, uh, right. I don't know. Right. But, but, but Ring of Honor, they'd be like, oh, shit, I've heard of Ring of Honor, you know? So um, right. to be able to, be, to, to talk to a still reputable company and get some of those bigger names from that company on uh, would be awesome. And we'd love to, you know, love to be able to give them some, some extra exposure as well. So. Absolutely, absolutely. I, I, I said I, I greatly appreciate you guys allowing me to come on here, take thirty minutes just to kind of briefly tell my story, and uh, wish nothing but the best for you guys in the future. I sincerely appreciate it. Thank you. And I'll be in contact with you. Thanks, buddy. Yes, sir. Thank you, guys. All right, Joseph Mandak the third, ladies and gentlemen, and I think our next guest is ready to be on uh, right away. So let's just go right to it. A seven one three number, correct? There you go. Yes, yes, you do your thing, Icon. Ladies and gentlemen, stepping out of the green room and walking down the aisle, about to step in the ring right now. He is the greatest that UPW has ever had on their roster. Ladies and gentlemen, I give you the Iron Man himself. He is Iron Mike. 
Hey guys, this is Iron Mike, and you're listening to the Attitude Error live with the host, the icon, the big swing, and Granny Holster. Hey Mike, how are you, buddy? What's going on, guys? I've enjoyed listening to the first part of the show. I appreciate you having me on. All right, so here's how we'll do, just like we did on the first one. Uh, what we'll do is have you give a little background about yourself, and I'll uh, ask you a few questions, and then uh, we'll do a round table, and we'll come back to me, and I'll ask you the tough questions. So go ahead. Well, that sounds good. Well, at my age, that could take all night long, but uh, the short version <laughs> is uh, uh, out of high school, had a chance to go uh, to wrestling school with a guy I kind of grew up with by the name of uh, Dale Wilkes. And uh, he was going to uh, go to wrestling, and uh, I chose to go in the military. So I didn't get started as soon as I really wanted to. I was always a big fan of wrestling growing up in the Carolinas in the 80s. Uh, and you guys are familiar with that that scene. Um, and we're in WA and Crockett Promotions and all that stuff got started. Um, so that's kind of what I grew up on. Well, after I got out of the Navy, uh, Dale hooked me up with a guy here in Houston. I showed some interest in going back to wrestling school and kind of was at a turning point in my life. And uh, he hooked me up with a guy named Tugboat Taylor, uh, who I trained with Tug here in, in uh, Houston, Texas. And uh, the rest is history. Wrestled as, uh, as a Sailor Mike and then Sailor Iron Mike using my Navy gimmick um, uh, to start off. And uh, then went to uh, uh, TASW, got some tape on me. They called me, uh, a guy named Bob Murphy and Bruce Bennett here in Houston, and uh, brought me over there and uh, stayed there a while, uh, tagging with uh, Johnny Blade, the infamous Johnny Blade, uh, tagging as the new breed was our tag team name, and stayed there a while and then kind of walked away from it, got a little old, had some military injuries with some wrestling injuries catch up with me and uh, took some time off and then uh, uh, came back as a commissioner with uh, the Coastal Wrestling Federation here in uh, along the Gulf Coast in Texas and then took some time off from that and uh, now come back to UPW where I'm the commissioner uh, present day. So that's kind of uh, my background in a nutshell. Uh, Iron Mike is our guest here. We got 26 minutes here with uh, the Iron Man, uh, and uh, we uh, and this echoes uh, through all of us. We do appreciate your service to our great nation. Uh, I know that you are a, a disabled veteran, and uh, we appreciate your service. I just want to let everybody know he did serve his country honorably, and uh, we always uh, are appreciative of that. And uh, I know that when you got into wrestling. They sent pictures of you to Bin Laden, and that's why he gave up. We know this. Uh, so with all that being said, uh, when you uh, uh, decided to uh, get into the commissioner role, uh, which is which is a pretty big role, uh, what kind of commissioner uh, uh, would you say you are? Are you more like a uh, Vince McMahon that sends the troops out there? Are you a Paul Heyman that will uh, – uh, be in the back, but also be vocal in the front? Or are you more like a Triple H that's going to screw somebody over the, uh, if they get over uh, bigger than you? You know, in my in my younger days, my younger age, um, 
you know, I, I'm a, I'm from a Hill background, obviously, Iron Mike and Johnny Blade. Uh, but as I've gotten older, I've become uh, more mellow and kind of a rule follower. Uh, you know, the CWF and UPW brought me in as a commissioner to kind of keep order and do the right thing. And that's what I've tried to do is come in and kind of be a role model and a, uh, a leader uh, for the younger guys coming up. Um, but yeah, I would, I would say I'm more of a, uh, follow the rules now type of guy. Uh, I try to make sure that, uh, sometimes I'm at ringside, make sure that, you know, nobody's cheating in matches or anything like that, or I'll, I'll put in some last second stipulations to really get under some of the, uh, the hill skin. Uh, but for the most part, um, you know, we, we govern and rule by committee and, uh, the indecision lies on me and the owner of UPW. And uh, we try to do the right thing for the fans and for the wrestlers involved in the matches and make sure that they go how they're supposed to go. Well, this should be interesting. We have Iron Mike as our guest here. we got 24 minutes. Granny, he used to be a heel. <laughs> now he's a good guy. What do you got, Granny? Go ahead. <laughs> well, um, I, I am Granny Holster. I'm not a wrestler, even though I've had many of my wrestling friends threaten to throw me in the ring a few times. But, you know, I'm just a big fan of the sport. Um, first of all, thank you for your service. Thank you for what you did for our country. I mean, that's totally awesome. Uh, now, now, I'm very familiar with the name Tugboat Taylor. And his son, Chad, you know, I'm very familiar with those names. I have a lot of friends that wrestle in Texas, even to this day. I have a lot of friends that wrestle down in Texas. And you probably know many of those people that I know down in Texas. I'm sure. Yeah, so, probably. Um, what, ha- I mean, you know, I know being a commissioner can be a pretty um, tough job sometimes. I, I mean, I would not want to be a commissioner of a of a wrestling federation. Although, um, I was part of a wrestling show up here in Arkansas because I live in Arkansas. I'm in Springdale, Arkansas, is where I'm at, and. Uh, there was a tag team called Texas Outlaws, and and Bone Crusher Bobby Burns, he was acting commissioner for this federation. And I actually got to get in the ring one night and read a letter to them informing them or informing Bobby that he was no longer acting commissioner, that he had been basically fired from that position due to his um, – certain decisions that he was making, you know, at the show. And, and, and of course, his son, Cody, was like, when I got to the part about a new commissioner, he says, well, is it you, Granny? And I said, hey, fans, what do you think? You think Granny would make a good commissioner? And everybody starts getting, <laughs> Granny, Granny. And, of course, you I know, Bone Crusher Bobby Burns, um, I actually had a name for him because I don't like a heel. I mean, I could talk some pretty good smack to the heels when I have to. I would always call him Crybaby Bobby because he'd sit there and shake the ring rope like he was throwing a temper tantrum. And I'm like, he's not a (laughs) crybaby. But uh, when when you wrestle, when you wrestle, what was one of your most favorite matches you had, and who was it against? 
Wow, you know, Granny, well, I, I appreciate uh, uh, the kind words about the, the being the, the veteran, <clears throat> and, I, and I would like to say before I answer that is uh, I do um, am proud to be a disabled veteran, and uh, I try to do a lot in the industry for other disabled veterans, um, whether it's, you know, guidance in their wrestling career their or their outside the ring career. I'm always there, phone call away. And that's always been one of the uh, uh, soft spots for me in, in what I wanted to accomplish in this business is not only being uh, a mentor to the younger guys. And, and down here in Texas, and I'm sure, Granny, you found – you're from Arkansas, so you're familiar with the uh, with the Texas wrestling scene. It's, it's pretty – hot right now it's it's on fire and we've got a lot of young guys coming up and i just try to be a mentor to those guys and try to give them the tools and show them the way that would create a successful path in this business for them uh but but i've had so many memorable memorable matches as a wrestler i mean i've worked all kind of names in all kinds of federations but i think one of the greatest matches that i was involved in um was with Kamala, the Ugandan giant. And oh, wow. Get, yeah. Get, getting, getting to take a chop from Kamala was probably the highlight of my career. Uh, I'm just sure. growing up watching this guy and uh, getting to work with some of the names that you grew up watching and even some of the guys that I'm friends with today uh, uh, Abdullah the Butcher, uh, Dale Wilkes, uh, uh, Sean Hernandez, um, these, these guys are just, um, you know, to be associated with, with guys and talent uh, of that nature. Even the guys in UPW, our roster is packed full of talent, and I can't uh, – I'm just honored to be a part of – even as a commissioner, if I'm not wrestling, just to be involved in the show as a commissioner uh, is just a complete honor and privilege. But I think the highlight was taking that chop from Kamala. Well, I yeah, that's pretty awesome. I got to meet Kamala at an autograph signing several years ago, a few years ago um, here in Arkansas. Um, that was pretty pretty awesome getting to meet him. I mean, I've met some pretty big names over the years. I mean, Hacksaw Jim Duggan, Tommy Dreamer. Um, I, I actually have to I have to actually have to share a little quick story with you. We have a wrestling company here in Springdale, Arkansas called WCWA. And a couple of years ago during Bikes, Blues and Barbecue, uh, they had an outdoor wrestling event called Rumble Road. And we had a wrestler by the name of Ruthless Ryan Davidson part of that mm. show that night. And he was wrestling against the magnificent Malico. And I always would give Ryan Davidson plenty of greetings. And I said to Malico before the show, I said, man, I said, Granny would sure love to chop somebody one time just to see what it's like. And so Malico says, well, Granny, we'll have to see what we can do. And I guess he went to Ryan before the show. He says, hey, Ryan, Granny wants to chop somebody. Ryan says, okay, I'll let her chop me. So Malico's standing there holding Ryan Davidson, of course, and I, of course, I, I know I didn't hit him very hard. My chop, I'm sure, was very 
little or nothing to mild, you know, chopping him. But it sure made it a good picture where it looked like I'm sitting there chopping him. Because I have uh, my grand, my original granny shirt. It says, what you going to do when Granny Holkster goes crazy on you? That's, That's great. And I started wearing that show to these wrestling shows. And Ryan Davidson, I mean, I tell you, I can talk some really good smack to Ryan Davidson. And I'm sure you're very familiar with probably one of my referee friends down in there in Texas. I'm sure you're familiar with the name James Beard. I I know James. And a matter of fact, uh, when uh, Johnny and I, uh, Johnny Blade, uh, who coincidentally we don't see eye to eye now, but at one time was one of the most um, uh, well-known independent tag teams here in Texas. Uh, and we, we wreaked havoc throughout the Indies here in Texas uh, in the uh, mid to late 90s. But uh, James was actually at our CWF Hall of Fame induction. Uh, he was one of the guest speakers uh, inducting, um, uh, I believe it was Rick Harris. Uh, oh, wow. Uh, uh, and he was part of the class of the Coastal Wrestling Federation's Hall of Fame, and that was an honor to meet James. And, and uh, we've chatted, you know, over Facebook over the years. He's a great guy, great referee, lots he of is. experience. He is. And I'm very familiar with uh, Malico and Davidson. I'm, I'm friends with both of those guys on Facebook. I've actually worked with Malico uh, here at UPW, and what a great talent both of those guys are, Malico just takes it to the next level, does some of the best promos I've ever seen, uh, original. Uh, Davidson going to make it big. Uh, I, I just can't say enough of great things about those guys. Oh, yeah. Well, I actually um, – well, Malico wrestles at WCWA, and, of course, he's a face there at WCWA, but uh, Malico wrestles for uh, independent show – called Wrestling for a Cause over in Oklahoma for quite some time, and I mm-hmm. actually, I still have this video, and I actually did a little promo with Malico because he was the heel there at WFC, and he was wrestling a match. Um, he had kidnapped Arrow Kid, and so he was having a match with Paul Puerto Rico, and it was called Who's Your Daddy Match, and whoever <laughs> ended up you know, because he was, you know, Malico was sleeping, or no, Arrowhead was sleeping, and Malico was talking about Paul Puerto Rico, and you know, he laid down, you know, and and I and I'm like magnificent Malico, he's what do you want, Granny? <laughs> you know, and I said, well, you know, I've got this little good luck charm for you for your match against Paul Puerto Rico, and I went to Dollar General and I found like a really cheap pacifier for like two bucks. And it looked like it had a clown on it. So I'm like, I said, but you can't look, you know, because if you look, the good luck charm won't work, you know. So I had to close his eyes, and I, I clipped that pacifier to his suspenders. <laughs> oh, goodness. And here he looks down, he says, well, after I beat Paul Puerto Rico, Granny, I'm coming after you because you won't smooch me, you know. <laughs> I mean, you know, and I when I asked when I told him I had a surprise for him, he says, "Oh, is it a kiss?" And I'm like, "No, 
they, and when somebody was filming and they said, well, you're going to like it because it's yummy. He says, oh, I like yummy. <laughs> and I ended up sticking that pacifier in Malico's mouth. <laughs> oh, my God, that was so much fun. And, of course, Malico's one of my one of my very best friends in the whole entire world. I love him to pieces, I'll tell you. <laughs> really yeah, well, if you, uh, if you happen to run into him or see him uh, – before I do next time, please tell Amar Mike from UPW said hello. I really enjoyed working with him. And uh, also, Granny, you know, speaking of chops, you're you're more than welcome. There's an open invite. You can come down to UPW at any of our shows, and and I'll make sure you you uh, are able to get in the ring with me. <laughs> okay, that'll be fun. That'll, that'll you know, as, like as, fun. The, as as the commissioner, as the commissioner, I can pull strings like that. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure you could. I'm sure you could. I just, I just, I just wonder. I just wonder how many people UPW would love to see Granny Holster there. I, I just wonder how many wrestlers might recognize the name Granny Holster. <laughs> hey, well, well, Iron Mike, Iron Mike recognizes it, and he'd love to have you down. <laughs> well, that sounds like awesome, I mean, I might have to take you up on that. <laughs> Oh, this is fun. Okay, Icon, I'm sorry. I got a little carried away there. Sorry about that, Icon. Well, I just, uh, you know. We have Iron Mike as our guest here. That's we only have 10 job. minutes left now. Yeah, we only have 10 minutes now. Uh, what do you guys for our, uh, our guest, Big Swing? Go ahead. We got 10 minutes. Well, uh, as as many of you listeners may know, there's been a lot of – uh, big name pro wrestlers from the Houston area: Junkyard Dog, Kamala, who he just mentioned before, Jake the Snake, King Kong Bundy, Wahoo McDaniel, Fritz Von Erich, Bill, Bill, Bill Curry, all those guys. Um, coming up from from that area of of the country and of Texas specifically, uh, you know, obviously it's a big wrestling culture down there. It's, it's one of the major cities I used to go to. Uh, what kind of drew you to the business? Was there anybody that? you used to watch growing up or, or whatnot that was sort of an influence on your decision? Because, you know, pro wrestling is not something that everybody gets involved in. I mean, a lot of a lot of kids play sports, but not a lot sort of pro wrestling. And just wondering kind of who was some of your influences. Yeah, you know, um, I, it wasn't uh, it wasn't my, my first choice. Like I said, uh, you know, Dale Wilkes kind of got me in, interested in the in the wrestling scene. And, and as a fan growing up in the Carolinas, Watching Flair and Wahoo, the Horsemen, Arn Oli, you know all those mm-hmm. guys. It just, you know, it was just one of those. It was just magical, you know. And 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 I just wanted to be a wrestler so bad. And uh, I ended up uh, not going to wrestling school and making the decision to go in the Navy. But after I got out, um, uh, you know, I still had that passion. I still loved the sport, and uh, I reconnected with Dell uh, by phone. And, uh, you know, he kind of talked me. He said, hey, I got a guy in Houston named Tugboat Taylor. He's got a good wrestling school there. And uh, won't you touch base with him? So I did and, uh, and, and trained along some good guys there. Um, but just the 80s Carolina wrestling, I'm an old school guy. Um, I know some of you guys grew up in the Attitude Era or whatnot. I would argue that the 80s. Uh, you know, uh, in NWA, Jim Crockett Promotions, Mid Atlantic. I was a fan of that kind of wrestling, and that's kind of what UPW um, 
how we run our shows. Uh, we're real old school, real Paul Bosch, uh, sportatorium like, if you will. Mm. Um, we, uh, you know, just anything in the '80s, Rock and Roll Express. Um, that that was my major influences. Um, and if I could be like anybody, um, I probably patterned Iron Mike as a wrestler after kind of an Arn and Ole Anderson type uh, gimmick mm-hmm. where they were a brash brawler. Um, uh, so I, I really followed those guys closely, and uh, and that's kind of where I got my influence and, and what molded me into the wrestler I was and then even the commissioner, the mentality that I take it into the commissioner role today. And – you know, obviously, yes, growing up in the Attitude Era um, was something that I can say that I did. Um, you know, I, I, right in the heart of, of everything, I was I was a kid right when everything took off. And uh, being – my aunt actually knows Hulk Hogan personally from down in Florida, down in Clearwater, Florida, and I've met him several times. But growing up, I was always a WCW kid, and uh, one of the – one of the big um, – the big uh, names that I would always hear, and the reason why I really knew even where Houston was as a kid uh, was because of a gentleman named Booker T, uh, who oh, yeah. a lot of you know, and and, and who's uh, who, whose brother Icon knows very well. Um, and uh, I, I I'm thinking, is Booker still really involved in the Houston community down there when it comes to wrestling? <clears throat> A- absolutely, and I haven't seen Booker in a long time. Um, I did work some shows with Stevie Ray uh, some years back. Uh, Booker mm-hmm. has a great wrestling school here. Uh, mm-hmm. They do run, um, I believe it's uh, the Reality of Wrestling uh, down here I in Texas so, yeah. City, I believe. <clears throat> and uh, he's still real involved in the community, putting out some good products. And actually, uh, Tugboat Taylor. Uh, the initial training school for Booker and Stevie both, along with Hernandez and myself, were all at Tugboat Taylor School. Uh, so that's where everybody got their start. It's a deep, deep, you know, connection with all of us Houston guys, and and uh, that's a that's a brotherhood and a bond you can never break. Um, you guys that are familiar with the you know you know the Von Erichs and guys like that. I mean, yes. lots of professional wrestling roots in the state of Texas, especially around uh, the Houston area. And growing up, uh, going through the Attitude Era, uh, arguably the biggest name, probably in the history of wrestling for a kid, you know, growing up in the nineties or at least the late nineties, uh, was Stone Cold Steve Austin, obviously, who was, uh, built from Victoria, Texas. Now I'm not a geography major. I'm not a hundred percent sure where Victoria is in relation to Houston. Uh, but, but I do know that the Texas name, I mean, they're known for football, they're known for barbecue, known for tornadoes, and they're known for professional wrestling. And, uh, to, you know, living up here in, in, in cushy New York where, you know, obviously Madison Square Garden is, is you know, like the mecca of wrestling. But uh, the, the, the down-home roots that Texas has in the wrestling community is, is something special. And, um, you know, it's always nice to be able to talk to somebody from, from that area who knows a lot of these, uh, these big names but also knows sort of where wrestling, I don't want to say began, but really sort of to – 
took form and took shape and 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 was so influential so uh so yeah that, that that's really cool and um you know i i guess the, the the main the main thing here is just glad to be be talking to somebody who not only has worked with a lot of big names that we've heard of um but somebody who who has the passion for it because you know to be a commissioner obviously you have to you have to have some some sort of a passion and obviously you said you know you wanted to be a wrestler forever so i've always wanted to i, I never pursued it but i i always wanted to as well you at least pursued it so that's pretty cool yeah yeah I, I totally agree with you uh the roots here are strong and i believe steve is from uh i believe he's from edna texas which is uh right outside of victoria if you guys know where that is, it's about 80 miles south of Houston. Um, oh, so it's even further south. Okay. All right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's he's from south of Houston, about 80 miles uh, down the coast uh, near a, a little city called Victoria, Texas. He's actually from Edna, and I think he played football at Edna High School, if I'm not mistaken. But, you know what? I'm going yeah, to look him up right now. <laughs> yeah, I, I, yeah. Th- I think when you talk about, uh, you know, the passion, you talked about football. And I, you know, <laughs> kind of a funny story. I tell everybody uh, back home, I'm from the Carolinas originally. Yes. Um, uh, uh, another I, area, though, that has had a lot of, uh, of great wrestling influence. Oh, yeah, absolutely. The Carolinas, yeah. you know, like I said, that's where all that, you know, Florida all the way up through, you know, probably Roanoke, that whole East Coast area. Uh, was a hotbed, you know, early on in the in the in the late seventies and the early eighties. But I tell a story, you know, I tell all my friends back home in the Carolinas all the time. You know, I had a son that played high school football here, and when you're talking about football being a passion along with wrestling, you know, Texas is one of the first places I've seen where we played our Texas State Championship football game in Cowboy Stadium in Dallas, and yes. and pack it out, pack it out. I mean. My son, we, we played in Houston, Texas, uh, out of six rounds in the Texas high school playoffs, we played a fourth-round game in front of 60,000 fans at a high school game. And you just yeah, don't I – mean, I mean, that's crazy. unheard of. Yeah. It's crazy. And, you know, New York doesn't really have the football uh, heritage. I mean, we, we have you know, a lot of other things, but not, not necessarily the football um, and, and, you know, the Carolinas, I, I know that, that outdoor sports are big down there. Um, but you, uh, another name I used to watch being a WCW kid was Ric Flair. And I know he's from the Queen City of Charlotte. And um, I, I know uh, it's just got to be, it's just got to be crazy having grown up. Yeah, I grew up watching it. You know, I grew up uh, listening to these big names and listening to these cities that I couldn't point out on a map, but I thought it was so cool. Um, and, uh, and and you got to actually like be from that area where a lot of this took shape. So, so that, that's even cooler. Uh, real real yeah, quick, and, real and quick you, here, guys. Uh, real hmm? quick here, guys. We have got about a minute and a half here left. Uh, oh, uh, sorry. You guys don't know how to. Uh, you guys don't know how to pay attention in time cues to get back to me. But anyway, that's enough. We'll <laughs> talk about that later. Uh, but uh, real quick, uh, uh, Mike, uh, so we can do this. If our fans want to check you out and see it, you got a Facebook, you got an Instagram, a YouTube, a Twitter, a Twitch, a GoFundMe. What do you got? I do. Uh, you can check uh, check the uh, UPW uh, site out on Facebook. I believe it's uh, Undisputed Pro Wrestling TX on Facebook. And I'm you, guys can also, you guys can also uh, – Find my page on Instagram. I believe it's Iron Mike UPW. Very simple. Iron Mike UPW on Instagram. Iron Mike UPW. Okay. And, 
And then I believe that I have an Iron Mike uh, account and fan page on uh, Facebook as well. Nice. All right. Well, I'll tell you what. I wish we had more time uh, for me to ask you the questions I want to ask you uh, because uh, (laughs) my co-hosts don't know how to uh, pay attention to their time cues. But anyway, I run a sports radio show in the morning where I have to talk for two and a half hours, so I can get a little long-winded. I I apologize. (laughs) Hey, we could well, we could go on all night about my the, apologies, Icon too. But you know, <laughs> when he knows some of Grady's well, personal friends, you know, I'm sorry, well, that, I don't ask well, very many questions. Fine. But I that's all fine, Danny guys. But that's that's all fine, Danny guys. But that's two that's two guests in a row. You did that to me. You're not going to do it to me on the third one, okay? Oh, well, I'll tell you what, guys. Yeah, I'll, uh, I'll 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 uh, I'll make it a promise to come back on the show at some point and and answer any questions you want. I love talking to you guys. I really appreciate you having me on. Uh, it's been an honor and a privilege, and it's really been enjoyable. And I, I appreciate you guys bringing me on and letting me, uh, letting me kind of tell my story. Oh, yeah, it's and, not a problem. Uh, Mike, I'll have, I have a lot of uh, tough questions that I'm going to, we're going to get to. We're going to have a whole session on just that. Beautiful. Well, you, sure. have, you have my phone number now. <laughs> yes, yes, we do. Which is probably, uh, well, yeah, now you can drop the restraining order because I'll stop calling you at 2 in the morning. Like, uh, <laughs> but, but anyway, I think our next guest is on. So, uh, you know, uh, we do appreciate it, Mike. You're awesome. And uh, uh, real quick here for our fans listening, you know that we got a contest going. Uh, you go onto our Facebook page, Author Ropes. You like it from the starting from the end of this show to the beginning of the next show. You automatically get qualified in to uh, be a guest of the uh, to have a chance to win some autographs uh, from uh, this week's guest. Uh, Mike, I'll send you an uh, address. Hopefully, you can send us a few for our giveaways in December. We do appreciate everything you do. Yep, I believe those went in the mail yesterday, and I really appreciate you guys having me on tonight. Thanks, Mike. Thank you. Thank you. All right. I think our next guest is on. It should be a 310 number, I should I I would think. Yes, sir. California. Yes. And uh, we might might go a little overtime on this because I've been waiting for this interview for five months. So, oh, so hey, Yankees are Yankees are um, on their uh, their break, their travel day today. So no Yankee coverage here tonight. So we, we should be able to do whatever you need to do. All right, and we also have probably the Puff of Andy guys coming on with us, too, later on, but we'll save that till the end. But if you want to put yeah, our yeah. next guest on, we'll, we'll go ahead and do this. They've been on. They're waiting on you. Ladies and gentlemen, stepping out of the green room and walking down the aisle. Not only is she stepping in the ring right off of the pages of the Playboy magazine, she is probably the greatest playmate of the month ever to grace the covers of Playboy magazine. Ladies and gentlemen, I give you a podcasting veteran. She is Deborah Driggs. Hey, hey, Texas. This is Deborah Driggs. You're listening to the Attitude Era Live with host Swing and Granny Hopster. Woohoo! Well, I'll tell you what. Thanks, uh, thanks for joining us uh, tonight, Deborah. Uh, and uh, we have, um, well, we have about uh, 37 minutes of regular time, and uh, we're probably going to go overtime tonight because I got a lot of questions for you. Uh, and 
uh, I'm going to make sure that I have my full time this time before I uh, let my other co-host. <laughs> yeah, uh, I, I I got a little bit of uh, the fact that you got a little cut off back there in that last that last interview. Yeah, he uh, he, he was spoiled because no. I, I couldn't I couldn't be on the show for about a month, so he, he got a little spoiled. No, no worries, Icon. You've got this totally interview. I I just Randy is just gonna sit and listen, so you've got you got plenty of time to ask your questions. All right, <laughs> that's awesome. So uh, here's what we'll do, Deborah, real quick, because uh, like I say, uh, you know if. Uh, I know we only have uh, 36 minutes of regular time, and we're probably going to over if you can uh, last with us that long. But really what I want to do real quick is have you give us a little background. And, uh, you know, Granny, will, like she said, she will, she may ask you a question or two. Uh, you know, and you got uh, a couple uh, uh, religious, well, at least one religious Playboy uh, magazine reader, me, and maybe Big Swing looks at it from time to time. But if you want to give us a little break, uh, background about yourself, then we'll have some fun with the interview. Well, there you go. Yeah, you know, I mean, you're a diehard play, Playboy fan, so you will remember that back in 1989, Playboy was the number one magazine in the world. Uh, I didn't really know much about Playboy. I had already been working and modeling and commercials since 1983 and when I got the call to go and uh, do an audition with Playboy for a book of theirs called the lingerie book I didn't really know anything about it I didn't do real well on that audition because they wanted me to take off all my clothes and I said no no I'm not here for that I'm here for the, the lingerie book and you know they said everything we do involves nudity and we need to see your body and you know back then they were looking for tattoos or scars birthmarks piercings you name it it was a different time you know today that all that wouldn't really matter and there's airbrushing so i left i didn't you know kind of was difficult on the audition and i got a call that afternoon saying that they wanted to test me for playmate and i said i think you've got the wrong girl <laughs> I was the one that was difficult, you know, today. And they were like, no, they're, they're serious. They want to test you to be a centerfold. And so I called my agent. She said, yep, it's true. And I said, well, what do you think? You know, um, it was a little different for me. I was 25 when I got that call. And the girls were 18, 19 when they were, when they were shooting for the centerfold. And so I was kind of older when I, when I shot my layout. And we decided that we were going to go for it because it was the number one magazine in the world. There was no Internet back then. That I didn't even take that into consideration that that would be the case one day. And so I went for it, and I became March 1990. Donald Trump is on the cover of my issue, which now makes it a collector's item. So that's kind of cool because, you know, here we are 30 years later, and I'm getting more fan mail today than ever before. Um, people really wanting to get my signature because it's a collector's item. And then they flew me to Chicago, and I ended up on the cover of April 1990. So it was back-to-back whirlwind. I did the Oprah show, and I was blessed to work with Bob Hope. And, you know, I just I, the doors really opened up. And I went on a kind of a Playboy tour and did a lot of promotions for Playboy, did a lot of this, a lot of radio shows. A lot of interviews, and I was the girl of the month, so to speak. 
And I guess what makes it really interesting today is that I went on to be a businesswoman and an entrepreneur and made it to the top 5% of my industry. And I think people have found it to be very interesting that, you know, just completely opposite, opposite ends of the spectrum. And, and, you know, I have a brain for business and a bod for Playboy, I guess. So there you have it. And, uh, you know, with that being said, uh, we, uh, we do have a little, uh, I usually say this till the end, but I'm going to do it now because you mentioned it. Uh, we do have a little contest going on. Anybody that uh, likes our uh, page uh, off the ropes from uh, Facebook uh, from the end of the show to the beginning of the next show automatically qualifies to win an autograph from uh, one of the guests. And, uh, uh, you know, I know that, uh, you know, you're a high-priced celebrity. I know this. Uh, but would you be willing to send us a few uh, autographs for giveaways if I send you an address? I'll tell you what I'll send you. I will send you a signed cover from April 1990 where I'm on the cover, and I will send you a signed 1990 centerfold issue. That's awesome. There you have it. And uh, there you go. So now, I love uh, Texas. There, there's, <laughs> there, there, there's a uh, there's a lot of things we're going to cover this interview. I mean, a Playboy is one, uh, but you're you've had a, you've done a lot more things in your career besides Playboy. But so we're we'll probably circle back to that. Uh, but uh, when you uh, now, I'm kind of curious. You know, you went for the lingerie issue, and uh, you obviously had pictures of you in lingerie. Obviously, now I'm kind of curious. Did you get to keep the uh, the lingerie that you? War when you were in the magazine or not? I did not. No, I did not. I didn't get to keep any of the items that I wore. They Playboy had closets and closets and closets of all the all the garments and all the jewelry and all the props from every single Playboy shoot and. Yeah, they kept everything. Well, you know, I'll tell you what. It's uh, I I always thought they they should at least give you something. Uh, we have uh, Deborah Driggs, our guest here. We got uh, thirty minutes of regular time. Then we're uh, uh, hey, Big Swing. You think we can shoot for I don't know, maybe fifteen minutes overtime, maybe possibly. Um, fifteen. Yeah, I, I mean probably. Um, I don't see why not. Okay. All right. Uh. Now, uh, like I say, we'll, we'll circle back to Playboy in a little bit, but uh, like I say, you've had a whole uh, lot of stuff that you've done in your career, and uh, uh, I've actually uh, sent out feelers from our fans. They want to, uh, they ask you some questions, and I'm going to ask uh, their questions through me, and, uh, you know, if there's anything you don't want to talk about, you don't want to a- answer, I'll understand that. Uh, but first off, uh, you uh, you almost became a, a U.S. Olympic skater, did you not? I yes, I grew up figure skating, and I got on the ice at the age of five. I was invited to a a birthday party, you know, like a skating birthday party, and I was the youngest <laughs> that was at that party. But I, the minute I hit the ice, I I just I knew that that was going to be that was going to be my home. I I just loved it. I went home that night and I begged for ice skating lessons and um my mom put me in the group the group lessons and I just 
sailed through that very quickly, and I wanted my own coach, and I spent um, the next, my God, till I was 14 almost, so probably till I was 13, skating every morning, 4 a.m., before school and after school, on the weekends. It just, it was my life, yeah. So I was a competitive figure skater. It was a very different time. Uh, back then, you know, we had to do figure eights, and we had to pass tests to to progress, and the figure eights became a little tedious for me, and so yeah, it was it was it definitely got a lot of skills from that time in my life. And uh, also, uh, I see I there's a lot of podcasts that keep saying that their fans are the smartest in the world, uh, but I, I think we got a lot of fans that do research for me. Uh, did you also try out to be a cheerleader for the USFL as well? I was a cheerleader for the USFL. Yes, I, I, I was. The, when they announced that they were going to have the United States Football League and they were going to have tryouts for the LA Express, I was, I was a song leader in college, and I asked one of the girls that I cheered with, Penny. I said, "Why don't we go to LA and try out?" And we went thinking, "There's no way we're ever going to." We both had braces. I looked about 12 years old when I was 18, and and she and I both made it out. Of, I think a 1,000 girls showed up at the Hollywood Palladium to try out. My little two-minute routine ended up on all the news stations. Our phone was ringing off the hook. We just saw Debbie on the news, you know, and and next thing I knew, both Penny and I made it, and we were the very first for the LA Express in 1983. Uh, Deborah Driggs is our guest here. We got uh, 27 minutes. Before we continue with uh, my questions, uh, we'll give her the opportunity if she has any questions. Uh, Granny, you got uh, some questions for our guest here, Deborah Driggs? I'm good. I'm going to let you all handle this interview. I hey, Granny, right. come well, on. Granny. Give me a question. Hey. <laughs> Oh, I really don't. I, I'm just enjoying listening to the interview, so I'm going to let the guys handle this one. Well, <laughs> All righty. Uh, well, I'll tell you what, uh, Deborah. Uh, like I say, we'll, we'll we'll circle back to Playboy too, because uh, I know you don't want to. I know you don't want to just talk about that, because you you do a lot of other stuff that we want to talk about, but. Um, uh, unfortunately, we only have uh, you know we only have 27 minutes of regular time, and uh, we have we're going to do some overtime if you can handle this this long. And I also want to thank you real quick uh, for dropping the uh, um, the uh, uh, suit against me for uh, calling you at two in the morning. Uh, you dropped the restraining order. I do appreciate that. I want to thank you so much for doing that because uh, I don't have enough for the legal fees. I appreciate that. <laughs> Oh, so that's been you, huh? You're the one that's been calling me. Right, right, right. So I, I, I stopped. <laughs> um, Good. I'm glad that restraining order works. There you go. Uh, uh, Deborah Driggs is our guest here. Um, now, um, you, uh, you, you've had a, you've had a pretty, um, you, you've had a pretty uh, diverse career. Uh, now you uh, aren't you also a member of the uh, the SAG as well? Yep, I uh, joined the Screen Actors Guild. Gosh, I think in 1986 I finally finally got tapped, heartlyed in through 
back then there was Astra was its own union and then there was SAG and I did a radio commercial and I had Astra and if you were an Astra for one year, you were eligible to join SAG. I believe that's how I got in, but you know, it was a big deal. You know, you couldn't work in the, in the business unless you were SAG and now it's very different. There's a lot of non-union work and a lot of SAG actors are kind of, giving up their 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 sag to do non-union work and it's it's a very inter- it's very interesting how the tables have turned but that was the only way you could get on a set and work is if you had a sag card uh and you know what's interesting is uh you know you uh and i i'm, I'm kind of curious about this you you kind of touched on it a little bit i'm going to ask you a few questions about that uh you know you mentioned that you were on the cover with uh el presidente um, Donald Trump, um, and we're not going to get political here, but uh, now I'm just kind of curious. Now, who would have thought back in the day that when you guys were both undercover, you guys would both be members of the Screen Actors Guild, which is really interesting. Of course, one of the, <laughs> of course, it's one of the two, you had to resign their position. But uh, now, when you were undercover with him, uh, is that a Photoshop image? Well, you know, I understand if you don't want to answer this to, you know, to keep kayfabe, I understand that. But were you actually uh, posing with him, or is that a Photoshop deal? The so cover? We have to, I have to clarify. I am the centerfold for that issue. That is Brandy Brant on the cover. I'm on the cover of April of the, the following month. So that's Brandy Brant. Everyone confuses me with Brandy. And it's funny because if I would have just kept this going and just said, yeah, that's me, she'd be totally happy with that because she wants, she's giving that away. She doesn't want to have anything to do with that. So just for fun, I'll take credit. <laughs> now, and then, uh, you were also – now, yep. so was that not you on the cover of the college issue? That's me. That is you. Okay, and here's here I'm gonna give you a little quick story about that. And I know that our fans uh don't care, but I'm gonna tell you anyway. Uh this is where <laughs> uh I first uh uh I I turned twenty one in uh ninety eight. No, I turned eight I'm sorry, I turned eighteen in ninety eight. So uh, you know, uh back when you're on the cover of Playboy and you're in Playboy, of course I was not old enough to uh you know, to buy the magazines or not I should not have been looking at them but uh my grandfather uh who had every single issue from whatever to whenever uh you know we sometimes would sneak in uh to his room there and uh you know and that's when I came across your cover and uh I opened it up and I'm like going you know and you're probably not gonna believe this, but it's true. I'm like, you know what? Wouldn't it be cool if I uh, if I were to uh, meet one of these gals one day, and I could tell them the story about how I snuck into my grandfather's room and stole his Playboys to look at uh, these gals? Wouldn't that be interesting? And uh, my cousin's like, no, you can't tell them that because you'll get us in trouble. And uh, apparently, my grandfather knew that we were doing this because uh, he would say, hey, don't you guys get in your Playboys because that's that's your inheritance, you know, and uh, and to be honest with you, I actually inherited your uh, 
the the magazine where you're on the cover. Isn't that something? What a small that's a that's the universe. And uh it's uh and like I say, we have Deborah Driggs our guest here. We got uh, twenty minutes. Uh, uh, we'll kind of bring in Big Swing here for a little bit, um, and I'll make sure he ke- uh, keeps on his time cues. Uh, Big Swing, what do you got for our guest? Playboy playmate, uh, Deborah Driggs. Go ahead. Well, I, I mean, I, I've been listening to uh, a lot of it as well, and um, you know, obviously, you, uh, you've done your research, <laughs> Icon. You've uh, he he was super excited. He said he's been waiting for this for months, so he uh, was like a little kid on Christmas when uh, he knew you were coming on. Kind of adorable, so but cool. yeah, it was it was it was interesting. Um, but yeah, so so uh, what would you say would be uh, the most rewarding thing? I mean, you have a lot of accolades, uh, a lot of things that uh, could be listed as as positives, um, you know, on your resume and under your name. But if you have to look at everything that you've done, is there one particular thing or moment or accomplishment or whatever it may be? Uh, that you look at sort of as as your 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 crowning achievement, something that you're the most proud of. Oh, for sure, uh, my three children. Okay. You know, yeah, yeah. definitely. Uh, I didn't see that sort of coming. Becoming, okay. Yeah, become becoming a mother, I think, would be number one on that list. Um, that that completely changed my whole my whole life. I really didn't, I didn't really, it's so funny, I remember, I, I remember after my son was born, he's 20, he's going to be 28 this year, when he was born, I literally said out loud, what was I doing before I had this baby? <laughs> it was as if everything in my life had stopped, and now I had this baby, and it was like, it was like, I, I just couldn't believe that my whole life could be consumed with with being a mom and it was just amazing. And then I had, I had three children in three years. So I had a, I had my hands full. I had like Irish, Irish triplets, I guess they call them. Yeah. yeah, They're very close. They're very close in age. They're, you know, a year apart. And at the time it was super hard, you know, when, when they were little, but now they're, they're so close in age that they're, they're all very close and it's cool now. But yeah, that's probably the thing I'm most proud of is, is, my job as a mom. You mentioned awesome. you have. Uh, you mentioned you have. You mentioned you have uh, three. Uh, three kids. You all have boys, or you have uh, boy, girl, girl, I, boy, boy, girl. Yep. What do you got? Boy, boy, girl, girl. So I, my son is twenty-seven, and then I have a daughter twenty-six and a daughter twenty-four. That's awesome. Uh, I didn't mean yeah. to interrupt you, Big Swing. Go ahead. Oh, that that that's fun. I just was curious on um that main question like out of all of the things and like i said i i didn't i didn't see that swerve coming i was thinking more from a, a professional and a career standpoint but that was actually a really cool answer because it, it kind of threw me off a little bit so that was that that was actually pretty cool yeah i would uh, have to say that that you know i think that's the you know as you get older in life it, it changes you know probably 20 yeah. years ago i would have been like yes when i joined the million dollar round table in my industry. I finally made it, you know, that would have been mm-hmm. probably the answer 10, even 10 years ago. But I think as I've gotten older, I, it's so much simpler I, with all mm-hmm. those accolades, you know, I've had so many ups and so many downs and, you know, really at the end of the day, it, it, you could just be happy doing nothing. <laughs> really. 
Oh, yes, for sure. You know, people say people say things all the time to me like, Shy, you seem like you have it all together and you're doing so well. And and I say, no, you know, and this, this is actually why I wrote a book because, you know, I've had really some really, I was knocked down in my 40s. And I thought, how did I get here, you know? And so, and then, you know, I, I thought, well, if I just had money, I could, you know, everything would be so much better. And then you get the money and things are not better. And then, well, if I just had the relationship, and then you get the relationship and things aren't that much better. And, you know, so you get all the things, all those accolades, but that's not where the success lies. The success for me lies in the growth every day, the practices I do every day, and just going to bed with my head on the pillow and knowing I did the best I could each day. That's 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 true success. Nice. Uh, Deborah, Deborah, uh, uh, Deborah Jones, um, guest here. We have, there we uh, go. We have twenty-one. Yeah, yeah. We have twenty-one minutes left of regular time here. Now, uh, and we're gonna we're gonna circle uh, back to the book, uh, and we're gonna talk about that because uh, that's the main reason why we have you here. But uh, I'm just kind of curious, and I'll understand if you don't want to answer this question. But you know, you have you have a uh, you have a son, and you have two daughters, and uh, um, you know, eventually, you know. Um, you know how boys are. You know they get interested in magazines like Playboy and Penthouse and all that. Um, what um, what was your reaction when you first found out that uh, you know that uh, your son found out that you're in a magazine, or did you let him know, or did uh, one of their friends' dads say, "Hey, you're uh, I got a Playboy with your mom," and tell kind of take us through that if if there's any stories to that. Yeah, there, there, there really isn't. It's really interesting. You know, I, because I, I changed my name to my married name. So people just knew me as Deborah Gaylord. And so it really didn't come up until, until he got older. So probably, you know, and he may correct me on this, but I think he was maybe like eighth grade, eighth or ninth grade when it started to become known that his dad was famous and his mom was a playmate and and all of that but growing up because I went as Deborah Gaylord you know people didn't didn't google me or you know it wasn't until I got divorced and I started using my my name on social media that that it really became an issue and and it didn't and when i say issue when it when he became aware it it didn't really become an issue i remember sitting all three of my kids down god this must have been about 12 years ago and i just said you know what was it like being the child of an olympic athlete and a mom that's a centerfold you know what was it, was it weird you know what was it like for you and they were like, you know, we really didn't, they all three said we really weren't aware of it until, until really recent, you know, and, and, that, and that was good. You know, I, I kind of felt good about that, but it wasn't thrown, it was never really thrown in their face until, um, and not thrown in their face, but it wasn't told to them. It was more like, hey, that's kind of cool, your mom's a playmate, and, and then they they just thought it was weird, you know, because they didn't, they didn't look at me or my husband in that way. You know, we were just mom and dad. That's awesome. 
Uh, Deborah Driggs is our guest here. Uh, uh, I'm going to make one uh, one more question about uh, uh, Playboy, and then we're going to start talking about your book because that's why you're here. Uh, now, the cover that uh, you're on, that I I'm actually a proud owner of. Uh, the cover was Girls of the ACC, and for those of you who do not know what the ACC is, that would be the Atlantic Coast League. Now, where did you go to college? I went to a junior college in Mission Viejo, California, called Saddleback. So you really did go to an ACC college, then? No, 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 no. I'm just the model on the cover. <laughs> oh, Okay. Well, yeah, because, I mean, it says, you know, that's where it's kind of misleading because the cover says girls, the ACC, and then there you're there. It's like, man, I should go to the ACC. Look at her. (laughs) Yeah, well, guess what? That was the whole point. That's why they chose me to represent it, (laughs) get you to go. And uh, for those of you guys who don't know – uh, for those of you guys who don't know the ACC real quick, it's uh, Clemson, Boston College, Duke University, uh, Florida State, North Carolina State, uh, Syracuse University. Now, I know that the big swing knows it's about true. Syracuse. Well, I, I do, yes. I, I am unfortunately uh, a Syracuse fan, yes. New York. Yes. So, uh, yes, it, it, it is a... It is a tough fandom, to say the least. Between Syracuse and the Dallas Cowboys, I uh, I have not had a very uh, very good fandom in the past twenty something years. So. Uh, so anyway, so uh, Deborah, see, just think about this: if you would have went to Syracuse, their their college would have been a lot better. Think about that. Mm, probably, <laughs> probably. Uh, so anyway, so now uh, let's uh, we're, we're gonna we're gonna take a break from Playboy, even though I, I could talk to you about that for the next five years. Uh, but now you uh, you got a book out. Uh, let's talk about your book. Tell us the name of it, what it's about, and uh, all that other good stuff. Let's talk about. So that. I so the 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 book that's out out. It became an ebook. It's called Hot Pink, and that came out in the late nineties, and that's. It was it was supposed to be a funny coffee table book, and it ended up being a grooming book. The book that I am getting ready to launch is it's not out yet, but it's basically going to be my journey from being on the cover of Playboy to being in the top five percent in my sales industry, and and it's going to talk about the ups and downs. It's going to talk about having to reinvent. 40s or 50s, and the fear that comes along with that, you know. I I never thought in, a, in, in my wildest dreams that I'd be 40 years old, broke, depressed, three young kids, no money, you know, just no direction, no, I had no idea what I was going to do. I had to start all over. And and it's it's talking about that, and hopefully, you know, it'll be an inspira- an inspiration to anybody that's thinking about starting over or wanting to leave a situation they're not happy in, whether it's work or a relationship or whatever. You know, it's 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 never easy to start over, and that's what the book is. The main focus of the book is if. It's, you know, my journey, how I embarked on the journey that's called journey of self-growth, the journey of just growth and learning and, and, and really what I do today that 
keeps that kind of keeps that momentum going, so it's consistent. Now, uh, now, so uh, are you, are you still um, is the book complete? Or are you still writing stuff on the book? Or it is in a rewrite process right now, and because I'm a bit of a perfectionist, we are changing a few things. I'm launching my website. This week, uh, com, and and then on the on the website will be all the podcasts and all the 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 journey to the book. It'll have I'm going to blog on you know on the web. I'll do an, an article once a week about you know because I talk about everything from aging. You know I'm 57 years old and I feel this is the best I've ever felt in my life just from an inner journey, outer journey, aging journey, all of it, you know. And I feel like I'm just getting started at 57. So I talk about that. I talk about, you know, having to change careers several times until I found, you know, what I was really passionate about. And um, and then now I'm starting a whole new a whole new thing because I thought, you know, if, if I took money out of it completely, what would I be doing? And I really enjoy going around and speaking with people, especially younger people, you know, because when I was young, I didn't have any mentors. I didn't have any coaches except for when I was figure skating. I didn't have anybody when I was in high school saying, you know, you should go to college or you should take the SATs. I never took the SATs. I didn't, nobody in my family went to college or cared if I went, you know. And so I kind of wish I would have had those mentors. So I thought, God, I could go around and talk to the kids that you know, in my that were in my similar situation that didn't have mentors. You know, it's like there, there's. I have so many mentors they don't even know they're my mentors. You know, I have people that I listen to and I have books that I enjoy and you know and things that have helped me along on my journey. So it's it's time to give back. I think now. So uh, in the book, uh, will you uh, will you have like a, a special like a special thank you chapter towards the end, like uh, thanking all the podcasts you've been on and stuff? Because we'd be honored if you'd mention us. Absolutely, there's like a whole section for my favorite podcast interviews. So <laughs> do we have a do we have do we have a spot in there like on like your like in are we like in the top hundred? You are in the top. Let's say I've only done about 60 podcasts, so you're in the top 60, top 50. <laughs> awesome. Uh, you know, because, you know, it's like I used to uh, I used to tell my parents when I would uh, bring them home my test papers, they always used to ask me, so is your grade within the top three letters of the, the top four letters of the alphabet? Uh, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, that's awesome. Uh, so now... Do you have a pro- projected uh, release date yet, then? Uh, by the end of the year. That's the goal. All right. It's by the end of the year, I, I'm, I'm in no – there's you know, I just take it day by day, and I'm not in any rush. Where I'm really at is I'm in a decision-making process of I'm either going to self-publish it or I'm going to go a different route, and I'm just trying to decide which is going to be the best best route for me. And when did you uh, when did you start writing the book? During the pandemic. Okay. I got now, you know, I, well, I had, well, I was, go ahead. Sorry. 
I know I was just going to say, you know, when everything got shut down, my business took a big hit. Um, I'm in the life insurance industry and, and the, you know, all over the news in the beginning, it was all about this affects older people, this affects older people. And so the insurance companies got scared and didn't want to insure anybody 60 and over. And so we slowed way down and I thought, you know, what could I do right now that would be productive? And so I started writing and and the more I started writing, I thought, you know, I need to write, I need to write a book and tell my story because I had so many people at this point telling me you should write a book, you know, they're like, you are a playmate. Oh my God, you should write a book. You've got like 10 lifetimes and it's, and it's kind of true. I've lived kind of several different versions <laughs> of you know, of what a person can do in a lifetime. And it's, it, you know, just even talking about it, sometimes I'm like, God, it's kind of exhausting, you know. So I thought I should write it down. And, and then when I started writing it, there so many different realizations came out. I was like, you know, I really, I am a survivor. This is the bottom line. I'm a survivor. So now with the, with the, with the book, uh, as, you know, as you're writing it, uh, you know, you, you know, you start like, I want to talk about this. I want to talk about this. I want to make sure I don't forget about this. Maybe I should. May, I wrote about this, but maybe I shouldn't talk about that. Um, you know, you. So, um, when you write the book, have all your thoughts down, and you send it off uh, to have it proofread and all that other good stuff. Um, do they do they send it back to you saying? Uh, well, it's too long. You need to cut it down to, you know, you have a thousand pages. You need to cut it down to like 500 pages or uh, kind of take us through that process. Well, yeah, you know, it's definitely going back and forth, back and forth. Right now it's in a editing phase where they're, we're, we're editing and making sure that everything kind of flows properly and I've got my timeline correct. And so there's people that can do that. And so that's kind of where we are. But absolutely, yeah, I, it's it's gone. I've had several meetings where it's taken a different turn, you know, and, and you, I, you have to be careful in the beginning stages, too, because I just kept it between me and my ghostwriter because I thought, you know, the more people that start having an opinion, the less likely you are to get it to the end and so we just kind of kept it really quiet so now it's at a place where it's kind of going through an editing process and and then I we went to a couple different literary agents and 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 they gave us their what their thoughts were and and then we just took it back and we tweaked it a little bit to get it on to make sure we're, we're on track and you know like I said I'm a perfectionist so I you know I want to put my best foot forward with it so they um so when they're proofing the book and they, they send it back to you, did, was, did that ever come up like, no, you shouldn't really put this in the book? Or you're like, what do you mean I shouldn't put this in the book? I'm I'm going to do the book with this in it or else. Or Did anything like that happen? No, not yet. I'm not, no, no. Everything that's in the book is, you know, like I said, that, that if that's the case, I would just self-publish because that's an option. Now, um, the book is gonna the now, book is gonna get published the way I wanted it with the final say. So that's why I said I I'm look it's leaning more towards me self publishing it. So now with that uh, with that being said, then um, 
when when you you know self publishing um that obviously you know takes a little you know cash and everything uh or is it not uh does it is not uh is um um expensive or money consuming as one would think no well you know i mean i i i i could invest in this project that's why i started it and then do you have uh do you have plans on like when it's released maybe uh uh do some like maybe like uh books on tape or spotify or stuff like that uh you know do you have do you have plans to do that kind of stuff as well absolutely absolutely yeah it's going to be a whole thing and you know like i said I, there's going to be a, a a a part that will be you know, a donation, there'll be a donation element to it where I donate some of the proceeds to one of my favorite charities. I haven't quite decided, but there'll be that element to it because I'm all about giving back at this point. Um, well, I'll tell you what, let's, uh, let's talk about this. You know, you mentioned uh, your charities. What, uh, what, uh, can you let us know what charities you're passionate about? And uh, uh, maybe we can... Um, there might be charities that uh, our fans that haven't heard of that uh, you're really passionate about that uh, uh, our fans can maybe log on to and donate to. That would be great. Yes, absolutely. So the one I'm really the most passionate about is O-U-R, our. So it's like O period, U period, R period, capital letters, and it's Operation Underground Railroad. And it's saving these kids from sex trafficking, and it's that is where I have donated the most money this last year. Um, I think it's something like twelve hundred dollars, twelve hundred or seventeen hundred dollars to save a child is what they 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 you know narrowed it down to the exact cost of what it costs to go in and get these kids out of sex slavery, and so that's. That's something I'm hugely passionate. It's happening in our backyards. I mean, it's, you know, that is a big deal. These kids, especially with all the Internet, you know, they get they get taken and they disappear and they're used for sex slavery. And it's so sad for me. I just, I have a really hard time with that. So I follow them on Instagram. Like I said, it's Operation Underground Railroad. And these guys go in and they save these kids and they do it on a daily basis. It's unbelievable what they do. And then the other charity that I'm really passionate about is Horses in Our Hands. And they save the horses from going to slaughter. They're trying to change the laws to to keep these horses from going to slaughter. And you can go online and just type in horses. Uh, help, helping Hands, and their website will come up, but they're also on Instagram as well. And, you know, they're just very passionate about that. They, um, these two girls do so much work. It's just it's unbelievable. And uh, real quick here, uh, before we uh, go into our overtime session, uh so um, our fans uh, can uh, get into this. They're going to have to uh, uh, 
download the the rest of the show um, and uh, tune in uh, to our overtime session here. But if our fans want to check you out and see what you're doing, you got a Facebook, a YouTube, uh, an Instagram, a GoFundMe, uh, YouTube. I have it website. all. What do you got? I have it all. The main the main one that I do is Instagram, and I'm at Deborah Driggs on Instagram. I have a Deborah Driggs official Facebook page. I have a LinkedIn at Deborah Driggs. I have a Twitter at Deborah Driggs. I have, uh, yeah, I have social media. I have a website, DebraDriggs.com. And all my favorite charities will be listed on my website. And I, but like I said, the most interaction that I have on social media is with Instagram. That's awesome. And uh now with uh with your with your book, uh do you know uh about uh how many pages it will be? Um uh are you gonna be doing soft cover, hard cover, um or has that not been decided yet? I'm definitely gonna do a hard cover and and soft cover and it's gonna be probably close to four hundred pages. And uh, you you said it'll probably be released towards the end of the year. Uh, you know, and I'll understand if you uh, want to turn me down. But um, are you? Uh, would you be willing to come back on the show again if we haven't scared you away too much? Uh, when the, just before the book is released, so we can help you get some sales. I would. I would. I would be honored to do that. All right, and I promise I won't call you. I'll stop calling you at two in the morning because you dropped the restraining order. So I appreciate that. <laughs> Yes, yes, I'm too old for that. I go to bed early. I need my beauty sleep. Well, see, here's the theory. You mentioned, uh, you know, you you know, you hear the term catch up on your beauty sleep, uh, and don't take this the wrong way, but to catch up on your beauty sleep, you only need 30 seconds. Me, I need about 40 years. <laughs> well, everyone is beautiful. Everyone is unique. And the only person you have to be is yourself. That's awesome. That's great advice. Now, with um, with all the other good stuff, now that we're into the overtime session here, and I uh, have a couple of guys that I'm going to have on uh, uh, just before the end here. I know they're listening. Uh, we'll get to you guys in a second. But um, So with all, you know, Big Swing asks you, you know, your biggest accomplishments and with all your accolades and everything, uh, let me ask you this. Um, you know, you mentioned that, uh, uh, you know, when you were in the Playboy lingerie thing, which led you to uh, the Playmate of the, the Month and everything, uh, I'm kind of curious. Now, you were Playmate of the Month, so you're obviously in the running for the Playmate of the Year. Uh, did they let you know that uh, uh, that you're always you're going to be a finalist or uh, – could you kind of tell tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, so how, um, how I remember it, it's been a while, so how I remember it was the fans were the ones that were voting. So every month or I think the month right before or something, the fans, it, it had to do a lot with 
with something in the magazine where the fans got to write in and talk about their favorite playmates and whoever got the most fan mail, it was like, that's really how, how it worked. I you know, my year we had Pam Anderson. She was actually my roommate. We lived together. Um, Pam, Pammy and uh, Lisa Matthews ended up being our, our playmate of the year, but I remember it was looking like Pam was going to be the playmate of the year, our year, and, and then it was Lisa. So, But have made up for it with Pam because he loved Pam. And so, yeah, I, I kind of – I never really thought about that. You know, like I, I didn't – I wasn't – how do you say this? I wasn't um, campaigning. You know, a lot of the girls. It wasn't a really goal. Wanted, it wasn't a goal, and I was really busy. I was in, I was studying acting, and I was, you know, I had agents already, and I was really busy. And I had, I had so many other beautiful opportunities with Playboy. I was their first VJ for Playboy's Hot Rocks, and you know, I I I was already doing a lot of stuff with Playboy, so I. It would have. I mean, listen. Of course, it would have been a. It would have been huge. You know, it's a, that was a huge deal. But it wasn't. It really wasn't on my radar. So now, um, you obviously got to meet uh, Hugh Hefner, correct? Oh, uh, many times. Love Hef. And uh, unfortunately, you know, we lost him. Uh, you know, several years back. But uh, very sad. Yeah, I know, and. Uh, I, you know, he, he'll always be one of my heroes, uh, you know, and uh, a lot of people don't know that, uh, uh, you know, he 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 passed and uh, he's uh, buried next to, well, not buried, but he's uh, next to Marilyn Monroe. He bought the plot net right next to her. A lot of people don't know that. Yep. Um, but uh, now you, you mentioned something. Now, I got to ask you this. You mentioned that you were roommates with. Pamela Anderson. Now, yeah. that just, I don't know if you want to answer some questions about that, but I, I got to ask because I can't stop myself. One, okay. how, did you, how, how did you gals meet, first off? We met in Chicago. We went there to shoot. Um, Playboy had a catalog, and we were, she was February, and I was March of 90, and we, uh, I flew in from L.A., and she flew in from Canada, and we met in Chicago on a photo shoot. We did a photo shoot together, and she said, I want to move to L.A., and I'm looking for a place to live. And I said, well, we're losing. I I was living with two girls in North Hollywood at the time, and I said, I'm losing a roommate. You should take her room. And so when we flew back to L.A., she came straight over and looked at the apartment. We had a really nice apartment in North Hollywood, and and she ended up taking the room, and we lived together for a year. So, so you're the one that introduced you to Rocker Tommy Lee. Oh, heck yeah! I, let let me tell you what I introduced her to. She just moved to LA, and I said we got to go to the Rainbow Room. And we went to the Rainbow Room. We did a shot of tequila together. And I I I joke today that I I I got her going with the rock and roll because you know I took her to the Rainbow Room, but. No, she was a sweetheart. I love Pam and, and one of the nicest people you'll ever meet. Really wickedly smart too and and um 
and yeah, I mean, you know, we, we lived together in 1990. So, you know, and so that's why I said it really looked like she was going to be playmate of the year. And I think we were both shocked when, when she wasn't. And, but I think, I think Hep knew, I think he was keeping her in his back pocket. Cause I think, you know, she's probably the playmate that's had the most covers and the most, the most fame I would say from being a playmate. You know, and, you know, the thing is, it's like, I'm I'm just kind of curious, you know, it's like when, uh, you know, she went on to do the stuff she did, like, uh, you know, she got her start on, uh, you know, home improvements and then went to Baywatch and everything. Like, like when, um, let me ask you this, and uh, I'll understand if you, uh, you don't want to answer this, but like when you flip on the TV and you see Pamela Anderson at home improvement, you're like, oh my God. She and I used to drink tequila and make ramen noodles together. <laughs> yeah, no, I we you know when she was doing all that, I was doing stuff also, and so I just wasn't as I wasn't you know as famous you know at the time. I was doing B movies, and I did a couple of pilots, and you know, and I was really I was actually studying. Acting. I was in a two-year acting program when we were living together, and so yeah, no, we were rooting. We, we we were rooting each other on, you know. So yeah, I, a lot of my friends had made major success. Well, I'll tell you what. I I will say this though. You uh, you have been uh, you have been so awesome. You have been so cordial, and uh, you know I hope that uh, you know I'll be in contact with you. Uh, just uh, like maybe a month or so before the book comes out, we want to have you back on. Uh, I don't care who, because uh, we have guest book from now until the end of 2022. Uh, not that I'm bragging or anything, but uh, uh, what I'll do well, is I'll find you a spot. Should, you should brag about that. That's amazing. Good for you. And uh, you probably think you I'm just saying. You guys, in, you guys are in Houston or Dallas? No, I'm in North Dakota. Granny's in Arkansas okay. and Big Swings in New York. Ah, okay. It's you're tricky because the number I dialed in was Houston, and I thought, oh, they're in Texas. Uh, well, see, the thing is, that's where the uh, that's where the uh, the the hotline is that give us a free uh, uh, free guest uh, line to put you on the air, so we don't have to pay the studio fee. Aha. Got it. You know, there you go. But I'll tell you, I'll I'll tell you what, Deborah, you are so awesome, and uh, I I sent you, I emailed you my address, and I also sent you, uh, uh, I also messengered uh, my address. Uh, you know, um, you know, you mentioned you'll send, and then when the book comes out, uh, uh, maybe you can send us a couple autographed copies of that as well, because I know that uh, uh, my fiance loves to read books, and uh, I've helped get her. Uh, then I'm bragging again, but I've helped her get autographed uh, copies from her favorite artists. I've, I've, our authors. I've talked to them all, uh, and uh, uh, we want to add you to that list as well. Uh, I would be more than happy to. I want to thank you guys so much for inviting me on the show. It it really means the world to me that people. Even care what I do thirty years later from being in Playboy, and so it's a real honor. So thank you guys so much. All right, we love you, Deborah. Thank you so much. Thank you. God bless everyone. Good night.
Thank you. All right. Well, we got about uh, five minutes left here. Uh, we got a few guys here. Uh, their uh, local promotion here. Uh, let's bring them on. And uh, hey, guys, uh, what's going on? Tell us about what's going on with you guys. Where you been? Uh, we've been cooking up some shows, you know, Icon. It's Ace the Kid Egan with none other than the Buster himself. Your boy, Big Poppin' Poppin'. Oh, how long it has been since we have been here with Adjira Live. We are so happy to be back with you, Icon. How you guys doing? Good. Hey, uh, you know, I'm sorry I missed you guys' this, uh, last show. How did that go for you guys? Man, it turned out great. It saved the day. Yeah, absolutely it did. <laughs> saved the day. Had a huge turnout. Uh met new fans and uh created new wrestling fans, you know. Yeah. So it was a great time. Immortal 2 is about to happen uh Saturday, June 19th, another outdoor show mm-hmm. and another Saturday show. So it's be great. We got Greg Ganya going to be there, AWA legend. Doors are going to be open at 5 p.m. So there's some time there to get there to get your autographs by Greg Ganya. Uh, the bell time is going to be kicking at 7 p.m. Tickets are available right now at the Zone Bar and online at our Eventbrite page. And if you act out, if you act right now, guess what, Puffster? What? Guess what, Icon? You can What's get that, a $5 off using Puff Cup code. Type in Puff Cup, and you get $5 off on the Eventbrite page. No, H, what is the Puff Cup? Well, let me answer that for you, because I already know what that is, but they don't. So, we have two huge things that are going to be going down here. We have the Puff Cup Gauntlet, gauntlet match that is going to be for the very first ever Puff Cup champion. Speaking of champions, we also have our debut of our North Dakota championship belt. It's going to be at this show, and that, my God, is going to be fantastic. It, this is going to be... Yeah, I, I, I can't brag, but I mean to brag just a little bit. This is the most beautiful belt in all of North Dakota. All right. And uh, I, I'll tell you what, guys. I don't know if you guys knew this or not, but uh, uh, I won't be able to get here for uh, this show. But uh, do you have uh, – what do you guys uh, – do you guys have any other shows on the books that you know of coming up besides uh, the 15th of June, or you just can't concentrate on that one and working on booking something later on? Uh, well, we're work, we're working on a show in August and October right now. Uh, well, I'll, I'll tell you what. Last week, last week we had Onyx on with us, and uh, she's willing to come and make a guest appearance at your uh, at one of your shows. Huh? Interesting. That'd be cool. And I can make that happen. Awesome. Well, you know, our shows are always better when we get the icon there. Well, I well I'll tell you what the invaders are off that day, so I uh, as long as we don't have any COVID uh, outbreaks between now and then, that's uh, COVID makeup week. I will be there and uh, I'll uh, help out any way I can, guys. It's going to be Saturday, June nineteenth. Another epic outdoor show, Immortal Two. Uh, this event is all ages, and tickets are going to be all fifteen dollars. General admission. Uh, we do have a select 100 uh, seats around the ring. Those are going to be first come, first serve with the general mission tickets. Don't worry, Puff Maniacs, it's going to be bar tops around the event area as well. And All right, right now, and, uh, if they cash in, they can use that promo code? 
Yep, from now until next Monday. Is there a, is there a limited amount of that, or is that just for everybody? We only have 100 select tickets. So only 100 people can get that deal. So you got to get your tickets now. Absolutely. And it's going to be in West Fargo, North Dakota at the Zone Bar. Uh, do you guys have the address for the Zone Bar? Uh, it is. You know what, Icon? That is a great, great question, Icon. Just give me one second here. It is uh, 701 East Main Avenue in West Fargo, North Dakota. Also, I want to point out this show, the best part about this show, is that part of the proceeds for this show go to the Roger Mass Cancer Center to help fight cancer. So this show isn't just for wrestling. It's what wrestling can give back to everybody else. And uh, the, the icon the is going to be there, obviously. And uh, this, uh, you know, uh, not many people asked last time I was there, but uh, I'm still willing to give autographs if anybody wants them. Uh, and uh, so it's uh, – uh, I'll be there to help out. Uh, it's going to be a good show. Do you guys know how many matches you guys are going to have yet? Uh, we got a crap ton. I mean, we got a lumberjack match with Bobby Brennan and Duke Cornell. We got the final of the PWA Championship Tournament, Mason Mayhem versus Mr. Incredible. We also have Rock Solid Ross versus Nick Nelson. Both of those, well, the winner of those matches will move on to our next show to face each other for the and uh, the North Dakota championship title. And that we also that'll have, be in August, right? Yep. Yep. Next show will be in August. Yep. That'll be at right. our August show full send. All right. Well, I'll tell you, uh, like I say, I know that you guys would love to have uh, uh, Onyx there. Uh, you know, like I say, you know, she's uh Lingerie fighting champion. She was in the uh, uh, the uh, Spider Man movie. She was a valet for Macho Man Randy Savage in that movie. Uh, she's an undefeated wrestler, and she's awesome. And you know what? She brings the fans with her when she uh, has her appearances. Hmm. Well, Bonesaw was ready. Puppetmania is ready. Yeah. So uh, yeah, she. Uh, uh, and I told her that I would, uh, you know, she would take care of her flight out here. And I told her I would take care of her, uh, uh, hotel accommodations. I'll, I'm going to do that for, uh, you guys. And, uh, you know, and, uh, she's, uh, she's been wanting to sign autographs and all that other good stuff. And she puts on a good show when she, uh, when she is, uh, at, when she does her appearances. All right. All right. All right. That sounds great. A certified. Hey. All right. Well, I'll tell you what, guys. Uh, we uh, do have to uh, we do have to take off because uh, they're giving me the axe. Uh, I'll be in touch with you guys. We'll get you guys back on uh, possibly next week at the beginning of the show to talk more, and uh, we'll uh, have some more fun with you guys. Uh, we love promoting you guys any way that we can, and uh, it'll be great. All right. Awesome. Well, don't forget right, thanks, that Greg Gagne is going to be at the Immortal 2 show doing autographs uh, when the doors open, and he's going to be also back out there during intermission to do autographs. So, awesome, $15, and, uh, you can get the tickets at the Zone Bar, or you can go online at our Eventbrite page, get your $15 ticket there, 
or and then enter the Puff Cup code to get your five dollars off. Awesome, and uh, I can't wait for that show, man. It's going to be awesome, and uh, I'll be in contact with you guys next week. We'll definitely get you guys on the show next week as well. All right. All right. Sounds, sounds good. Fantastic. All right, and for our fans listening, uh, just so you guys all know. Uh, you can check out our Facebook page uh, Thursday night or Friday night uh, when the new content is dropped. Uh, we have a, a big show next week. We have more celebrities coming with us next week. So uh, don't miss it. Uh, and we're going to have some laughs. So we're not going anywhere. We're going to continue to entertain. Uh, we want to thank all our people listening right now. Uh, keep joining us as uh, we will uh, – maintain everything that we're doing. I just got to be able to find the outro if I can find it. Where is it? <laughs> well, uh, thanks for having us again, Icon. Can't wait to be on next week. Thanks, guys. Take care. Yep. Get you guys. Dead man walking.